2: The Eagles.
3: Oh, boy. Gunner, this is, I, I saved this just for you. Tone, you can enjoy it as well, but I'm, I'm just going to do it right now. Just out in the open for everyone.
4: Oh, geez, <laughs> As if he isn't jacked up enough. He just
5: he just added fuel to the fire. Wait, hold on, hold on. What am I, a barbarian? I gotta have a little glass of water after that. I asked him prior to this how many espressos he had already, and he said just two. But I don't believe it actually. No, that's the second.
3: That 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 concludes the sequel of my espresso for today. How many espressos have you had today? Two. That's my second one. Two. In and gentlemen, way? gentlemen, 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 espresso. The the X thing. There's no X. There's no X. Espresso. That's all I'm saying. You
4: know what I'm saying? You You notice notice when he (laughs) talks about he holds his pinky up. That is untrue. I am not French. You just said espresso.
3: Oh, that. Oh, that.
4: Yes, yes. Yeah. Okay.
6: Oh, yeah.
3: Yes. (laughs) Guilty.
4: (laughs) Hey, how much did you
3: I Tone, uh, great job yesterday. Uh, Obviously, Rob Ellis is off. He's, uh, I believe, gallivanting around town or something. Um, He's down
4: in South Carolina enjoying barbecue with his uh, wife and daughter and uh, getting his daughter acclimated to the University of South Carolina.
3: Okay. All right. Fantastic. Uh, well, it's, it's my pleasure. I'm sorry I couldn't be with you guys yesterday. Uh, some family stuff came up. Everybody's fine. But uh, I'm glad to be with you guys today. Tone is going to be great hanging out with you as well. Gunner, uh, you know, normal, normal, just you and me. You know, uh, I mean, just normal, uh, just you. And me. Just we're kind of you know like this with, with each other. You know what I'm saying? Although Gunner, I, I every time because I I hold you up in tone. I don't know about you, but I hold Gunner up to such a high standard. Oh, uh, I do. I really do uh-oh. because Gunner is a man. There are some guys that are just masquerading, right? As 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 a, as a man's man, right? Could do anything gunner those are fish i always tease him that those are fish that i caught that he put up behind him uh they're not he caught those fish so i concede the point but gunner i gotta say every time i do a manly thing especially in this new house that we moved into back in january uh i feel i was like oh this would make gunner proud but at first i'm like oh this would make this makes my dad proud and then right after that i'm like this makes gunner proud i don't know telling (laughs) if you hold him in that same regard but that's how i hold gunner
5: you know it's, it's, it's it's funny you know I, I do think of D gunn whenever I'm trying to get my grill started. I'll tell you that. <laughs> you know what I mean? I do think of him then. And then I also think of the fact that he refuses to share any of his trade secrets with us. Mm-hmm. And so so it's you know, I, I I have a love, I have a love hate relationship with uh with, with D Gunn. He can he can be giving, but he can also be very, very uh selfish in his own way.
4: <laughs> think <laughs> about some of the greatest entities in our history, whether it's Food technology. You don't give away all of your secrets because then it doesn't make you a unique individual or unique entity. If everybody has the same thing you have, uh,
5: but 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 Gunner, I'm your stepson. What are you doing? <laughs> it, 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 it doesn't oh, make sense. It, it, it your, I'm, I'm you could be brother. could say I'm your adopted son.
4: It you, you, make couldn't, sense. you couldn't say younger brother. You had to say stepson, right? I mean, you, could, <laughs> you couldn't say younger stepbrother. I mean, really, is that where we're going with this? <laughs> Oh man,
3: Gunner, as your adopted uh, step uh, grandson, let me just tell you. <laughs> you no, know, you know what? You know, in all in all seriousness, this is a compliment, Gunner. I, uh, you know, I moved into this house, and you know, I like to, uh, you know, I like to, you know, work. I like to, you know, work with my hands. I love, you know, the tools and all that stuff. But sure. it, very, very small thing. But I did it. There were these like old um, blinds, and my wife had mentioned how she wanted some uh, shutters in um, our master uh, bathroom so sure. that we can have a little bit more sunlight, you know, you know, whatever. So I was like, oh, there's these really crappy shutters in the basement. I'll clean them up nice, sand them a little bit, a little primer, a little paint, bada boom, bada bang, we got shutters in the bathroom. I just took care of that earlier today, Gunner. How about that, huh? Dude, that, and you saved yourself a bunch of money, right? Like, th- I looked at them, like, on Amazon. The ones she wanted were, like, 350 bucks, And I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah, toots, you married a man, okay?
4: I got this. I got this. So when you step back and look at the finished product, do you say to yourself, number one, yeah. And number two, I just saved myself a lot of money, especially I, if you get the approval from the wife.
3: <laughs> yeah, she's uh, she's away at the moment. So oh, I, I'm hoping me. it's a nice surprise when she comes back. And then she'll go, oh, yeah, those are like the ones I want. Now there we you know go. that they fit. So measure them, and then we'll buy good ones.
4: <laughs> See, that's – oh, you know what? Oh, or they give you this. Oh, that's – um. <laughs> it's really nice, but that's not what I was looking for. And you
5: sit there going. See, I'm not handy in the slightest. You know, like I, I try I try to pretend like I am because my father is extremely handy. I mean, he can he can fix pretty much do anything. You know, and it got to a point where my wife would look at me sideways every time I call my dad, you know, for example, to hang a TV or something on the wall. And um <laughs> my wife would look at me sideways, and say, Well, Tonky, t- can, can you do anything? <laughs> I'm wow, gonna, I'm gonna like, hold on, wait, listen. I go to YouTube University for everything. So lately, what I've been doing <laughs> in my spare time, I've been going on YouTube and looking up how to do basic tasks, like uh, change you know, change drywall or something like that. Or, uh, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I've just been trying to become, as far as you would say, a manly man. <laughs> but, you know, sweet, sweet I was born mother. in 1994. I'm 28. Yeah. You know, I, I maybe it's my generation. Maybe it's my era. We, we, we like to just press a button or call someone or pay someone to do a job that we don't feel like doing. Well, mm-hmm. see,
4: when I when I was younger, my dad could do a little everything, plumbing, you know, all kind of stuff, and he would have me help him. But you know, I really wouldn't pay attention. But see, when I got out on my own, you know, um, and you got to start doing little things, especially if you're tight for money, then you lean on dad a little bit. So I was not real handy with a lot of tools when I was you know late teens, early twenties. But like now, at this stage of my life, you go in my garage, I have like four different type of power drills, power saw. Um, all these things. And, you know, and so now I'm passing on some of the information. And then my wife's dad, who was a contract, he was a, He worked for the water district in California where he lived, but he, him and his sons also had a a construction business on the side. So my father-in-law could, my my father-in-law could probably make a a straw and electrical appliance, man. You know, that's how talented he was. So I learned a lot of stuff from him and and my brother-in-laws along the way when I was younger as well. So now I can do some basic stuff. Like, I still, I don't fool with electricity, you know. You ain't going to see no black Christmas tree over here. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) You ain't going to see me light up. I did did something one time. I'm standing up on a ladder at at one of a a church we used to go to. And all I was doing, those fluorescent, those long, skinny fluorescent light bulbs, all I was doing was took one out to replace one. And I'm on a ladder, and my wife's talking to me down below. And I said, what, you know, and I'm turning it to make sure it stays in. I felt this warm surge go through my body, but the mindset was don't drop the light bulb because with those fluorescent things, when they hit the ground, it's almost like a cherry bomb going off. They just shatter everywhere.
6: Mm-hmm.
4: I took the, you know, it was, I don't know if it was just an old fixture, but I kept turning it while I feel I could feel this mm, going through my body. You know, <clears throat> it wasn't one of those shocks where it knocks you off the ladder or anything, but I turned it to a certain point and in stopped stop, the light worked. I'm like, man, I feel different. You know, I feel warm and fuzzy all over. <laughs> That's the closest yeah. I ever come. Now, I've gotten shocked a few times with the minor other things, like not paying attention, putting something in a wall socket, but outside, nothing major, but I don't fool with electricity. I'll do a number of things, uh, you know, a little plumbing here, a lot of painting, a lot of blind hanging blinds. I got I got a master's degree in hanging blinds and all this stuff, right? But I ain't fooling with electricity, man. Now, you know, <laughs> I- if, if I go out in life, you ain't gonna be getting shocked, and listen, unless Mother Nature hit me with one of them lightning bolts. That's it. Uh, uh, I normally abide by the same rule
3: of don't fool with electricity. However, I broke that rule in 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 the house. I installed a chandelier for the first time, and I'm happy to say, first and foremost, no casualties. Everyone survived.
6: Okay.
3: Uh, and uh, uh, three. I'll jump to number three. Actually, if the chandelier is still hanging by. I did it. It is done. But I made what I learned is a classic mistake for first time. Foolers, arounders of electricity with electricity. You got to thread the uh, what is it called? The ground, whatever, through oh, the yeah. middle of the chandelier. Oh, really? oh yeah. And I didn't do that. So I, I was like, oh, what? That doesn't look right to have that wire exposed. <laughs> and I was like, uh, uh, oh, no. and then I had to start literally take everything apart. And go back to the beginning, but it works, and I learned, but I learned the hard way. That's how you got to do it.
5: You got to you got to go trial and error. You you do. I mean, so so I I have plenty of time to uh, accumulate a rolodex of skills uh, like D Gun. You know what I mean? So as of right now, I can you know I I I put a lot of things together. You know what I mean? I'm real handy with a screwdriver. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) You know what I mean? I'm I'm very handy with a power drill. You know that kind of stuff. You know, I, I take care of little stuff around the house. I don't mind doing things as long as I, as long as I'm taught how to do it. Every time my dad does something for me, he says, "Look, this is how you do it." You know what I mean? So, you know, I have, you know, I have a capacity, but you know, I don't really have too many opportunities to re- refine those skills. Maybe when I have children one day, I'll have to, re- I'll be able to refine those, refine those, uh, those handy skills.
4: Gunner, get ready for those calls.
5: Get ready yeah, for those here's calls. A, here's
4: the thing: my, my pride enjoys my table saw. I have a table saw now. We cut. We, oh man. You know, but um, through the years, what really expedited my learning curve was um, if I said, you know what, I'll call somebody to do it. My wife would always throw out the, you know, but why don't you learn how to do it yourself so you don't know how to do these things? Or, you know, um, why don't you just call my dad or my brother? Or, you know what, so-and-so, your friend's know how to do this. Why don't you learn how to do it? And I'm like, and then that's when the male pride kicks in. You know, that male pride, like, okay, I'm tired of this woman telling me that, you know, I'm, I'm like a, a guy with other mitts on, you know. Uh, <laughs> so out, out of out of male pride, it forced me to do certain things. And now I'm like, okay, when it comes to hanging TVs, you know, first time I did it, you know, the first one I ever did was kind of on a slight angle, you know, but I learned real quick. All you need is a, a stud finder and a leveler. You hit that stud, you're good, you know. And so that was that was an easy learning curve. But that first one, man, behind this one TV, I had like four different holes in a walk to get it right. So. Cool. and then you learn don't put the second hole too close to the first hole because it could crack the wood. <laughs> so I'm like, man.
3: You know what? It's fun. You know, you gotta live and learn. You gotta live and learn. And it's it, it is, you know what? Nothing, nothing makes you, you know, hold your breath a little bit longer than. When you sit on the sofa for the first time after you hung that TV, especially that first TV, and you're like, all right,
4: it's staying up there. Man, <laughs> it hasn't fallen man. yet. I'm still watching TV. It's, um, it's, it's the same thing with grilling. You know, my dad and my uncles, man, they could grill on a garbage can top, and it was, like, perfect. They would take basic sauce, like open pit was a big big sauce back then, and they would have their own things. Like, they would cut slices of lemon, uh, chopped up onion, a little uh, pepper or you know cayenne pepper. Put it in the basic sauce. Boil it to where it's hot to mix the flavors. And then they would put it on. Man, let me tell you something. My dad and my uncle's barbecues like boom. Mm. I had to learn along the way. People people talk about D gun grill masks. This doesn't happen overnight. You know, it took it was some trial and error. You know. And now I got five different kind of grills. I'm gonna have. I'm gonna die of black lung disease. I'm, I'm <laughs> smoking meats, grilling meats, all this stuff. I'm, I, you know. But now it's like second nature. You mm. know. You try different things. You know when to look at certain meats, you know, with certain temperatures, right? You know, you set the temperature on your smokers, right? You know, and you get to, it's repetitive. It's like anything else, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah,
3: absolutely. Yeah, no, you learn that from your previous generations. Then you master it yourself and put your own little spin on it from time to time. And then no matter what, it always ends with, Tone and I not getting any. So that's fine. But that's fine.
4: You know what? I'm sorry. I just lost audio. What did you say? Okay. All right. Hey, you
3: know, so we're talking about comparing notes here. And this is a a perfect unintentional segue, but it's a perfect segue. Yes. So the Eagles are going, they, they just enjoyed, well, they enjoyed one of the joint practices. The first one, not a, so much, and we'll get into more de- into more depth about that conversation about winning practices. Because Gunner, you and I, Tone, I know you and I, you guys and I are on the same page as far as the winning of a practice goes. Yeah. Uh, but Kevin Stefanski's in town. Nick Sirianni's obviously hosting his uh, Cleveland Browns. Jim Schwartz is in town. You know, yeah. he's back. Right. So all this, and they actually have conversations not just about the way they're going to run practice, but I didn't realize this happened. Kevin Stefanski and Nick Sirianni sit down to not just talk about the structure of practice and how long they want to have seven on sevens, 11 on 11s, one-on-one on one drills, position groups, whatever it might be. They actually compare notes to how they do things through the course of a season. Now they're not sharing game plan. I want to make that clear. This right. isn't like, here's my playbook. Here's your playbook. Oh, let's learn. Right. It's not that. Right. But it's a, it's two younger head coaches in the NFL and, yep. um, that are uh, t- that have taken over franchises and had some success, more so Nick Sirianni than Kevin Stefanski. But winning a, f- a football game for the Cleveland Browns in the playoffs hadn't been done in quite some time before Kevin Stefanski came uh, rooting on downtown. So what does get discussed? I know this goes back. Chip Kelly would do this. I don't remember too many instances with Andy Reid. I just remember them going to Lehigh. But when it comes to joint practices, Gunner and those guys sharing notes about what they do, what can be learned, and what is shared. When those guys have a meeting of
4: the minds, how practice is structured, when to press players, when the layoff, you know, how to shorten things up. When you need to lengthen things? Uh, why do you do this a certain way? You know, that's what a good coach does. A good coach and it applies to anything you do in life. Nobody knows everything. You know, you can always do something a little bit different or a little bit better. And let's face it, when it comes to, to, to practices, they can get monotonous at times, you know, you don't want to be too repetitive. You got to flip the script every now and then, you know. Keep the players on their toes, um, and, and 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 don't let players get in a rut, because then players know how to cheat. You know, they know when to push themselves, when to back off. Things like this, you know, and that's understandable. You know, I, I don't, I don't blame them. You know, and, and, and plus, football is such a small fraternity. You know, why not compare notes? You're not giving away game notes when it comes to just daily, the re- daily regiment of how you're doing things, there's nothing wrong with incorporating different things. You know, make it fun. You know, hey, if you guys want to get out of practice early, we're going to do this today. We have X amount of minutes to do this. If you want off tomorrow, if we don't make any mistakes today, you guys get off tomorrow. You know, just stuff like that keeps players, you know, stimulated, man. So, you know, kudos to both of them for doing it. And I'm sure they have a relationship. They've crossed paths many times, you know, in their
5: lives. So I'm sure, you know,
4: it's easy for them to sit down and discuss things like that.
5: Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. You know, especially when you think about it from this perspective, training camp has changed so much, you know, from the early 2000s, you know, the days at Lehigh, so on and so forth. Training camp is nowhere near as I would say, I guess the word I would use is entertaining, right? Training camp is nowhere near as entertaining as it used to be. And you don't get as much grass time with these guys either. So you have to be very creative, very unique in how you get the most out of your guys was such lim- with such a limited amount of reps. So I, you know, I, I I can definitely you know agree with D Gun as far as these guys, you know, comparing notes, you know, just comparing different uh, different uh, systems and uh, methodologies to how they want to approach other uh, training camp and how do they keep their guys stimulated and how do they keep guys focused? Because you know when you know just you know just think about the veterans, right? They're guys that have they've been doing this thing for a long time, and they've gone through so many different CBAs and and also how training camp has gone guys can get a little bored and you want to make sure you keep your dogs as, as entertained as, 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 as you possibly can, you know, without obviously, you know, running them into the dirt, you know, again, things, so many things have changed, you know, with this new CBA, you don't get that much grass top. So you gotta, you gotta get creative. You know, that's why these joint practices are really interesting because um, uh, the, the coaches, apparently, you know, I, I talk to John McMullen about it all the time. These guys get, apparently they get more out of these joint practices now more than they get from the preseason games. And, you know um I'm, I'm i'm always i've always been 50-50 about that and i'm curious to know what you guys think about it as well because i've always i've always placed real game reps at the forefront regardless of it's a, if it's an exhibition game or if it's a regular season or playoff game i've always placed real reps real game reps ahead of joint practice reps and you know john's you know perspective or the, the coach's perspective is always well you know, you can't always draw up a red zone situation in a real life game. You have to wait for it to you have to wait for it to come to you right. rather than actually draw it up in joint practice. And like, for example, if you want to work on red zone, OK, you can draw that up in joint practice. You can schedule that, you know, with the opposing head coach on and so forth, whereas on a preseason game, you can't really do that. You know, you, you pretty much have to, you know, work with what's given to you or what's allowed, you know, for the most part. But, you know, again, I guess it's a double edged sword. Damn if you do, damn if you don't. But. I'm always of the mindset that real life game reps trump any kind of practice reps that you could draw. up.
6: Yeah,
3: I, I would a thousand percent agree with that. And perfect. Speaking of another great segue right there, but we're, I hate to say it, but I, I, I mean, no pun whatsoever to Allen Iverson, but we are talking about practice bottom line. It is still practice. It is not a game. It is practice. And tone, I a thousand percent agree with you as far as taking game reps over practice reps. Coaches like the controlled environment. They like being able to tee up a team to have that red zone action and give them repetition repetition in the red zone time and time again. Oh, you messed up this time. Well, here's another crack at it this time around. We're in a game. You don't know when that opportunity is going to present itself again. And on top of it, it's a game. It's an end-all, be-all. There's no repeat. There's no – you know, there's actually a win and loss record. I understand it's preseason. But bottom line is it is a game. And these guys, these guys aren't practicing their way – to a Super Bowl championship, hopefully. These guys are going to be playing their way to a Super Bowl championship. So when I hear a coach, for instance, like Nick Sirianni say, we won the day, which is something he has talked about since he has taken over a head coach, whether that be years ago where he was talking about winning practices against the Jets or winning practices against the Browns. I'm glad you had a good day at practice, but still, (laughs) when you boil it down, it's a good day at
5: practice. Yeah, and really quickly, Diga, not to jump you really, but I got to get this off as well. You know, I don't like the way preseason games are talked about these days. And this is my, this is is just my humble opinion here. You know, so, you know, so follow me here, you guys, people like to discuss preseason as if it just doesn't matter. And my mindset is it does matter for this, for, you know, for this, for this particular reason, you have players, you have guys who not only eat, live and breathe football, but this is sometimes all they know. This is, sometimes this is sometimes the only way they can bring bread and butter back to the table. So you have guys who are literally fighting tooth and nail just for a practice squad spot, not a roster spot. You have guys that are just fighting for a practice check. So when you think about it from that perspective, you have guys in that field, even though it may not be the highest form of the sport because you have third and fourth stringers out there. You have guys out there that are fighting tooth and nail for livelihood, not glory, livelihood. And I feel like there's no environment, there's no environment that's as high stakes as fighting for livelihood. So I don't think preseason should just be glossed over because oh the number ones and the number twos aren't out there. These guys are fighting to feed families. These guys are fighting to feed themselves. These guys are fighting to sustain. These guys are going out there fighting tooth and nail. And that's why most teams don't put their number ones out there because they know there's guys out there. That are dogs. It's a reason for everything, right? So that's why. It's so it's kind of contradictory. They don't take preseason seriously, but they don't want to put the number ones out there because they know how dangerous it can get for guys. So it's 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 so fascinating how some people look at preseason. But again, I'm of the mindset of you got guys out there that are fighting for livelihood, fighting for, fighting from literally pennies on the dollar. It, you, got, you, 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 you got you got you got to, you got to put some more respect on just what that environment can provide to a player that's not just trying to earn something, but also iron, iron sharpening iron.
4: As, as weird it, as it sounds, there are a lot of players that go into these training camps with this mindset. I am living the dream. I'm going to get to wear an NFL uniform. But many of them, then, when you think about there's only 1,700 that actually get, to, get to, to, to play in a National Football League on a yearly basis. And that includes the practice squad players there are a lot of players that don't prepare for life after football. And for a lot of young men, life after football ends up being when you get cut in a training camp, what are you going to do? There's a lot of them that don't even think about, okay, if this doesn't work out, I'm going back to school or I'm going to go to a trade or anything like that. It's like, they don't know how to function initially and they scramble, you know, and and it's, and it's, I understand. And I probably would be the same way if I got drafted, or even if I didn't get drafted but got picked up as an undrafted free agent, I'm not thinking about anything else other than being able to practice on a National Football League practice field. And if my dream is shattered after a couple of weeks or a month of training camp, I'm thinking, uh-oh, wh- what am I going to do next? Because most players, you think about it, most players don't are not graduates when they get drafted. And then you think about how many players go back to school three, four, five, seven years into their career. A lot of times they don't think beyond playing football and getting a paycheck for more than they ever could have imagined in their lives. And that includes practice squad players who get like $4,000 a week if you're on the practice squad. Now, $4,000 a week, if you're there for the whole season from September to January, that's not a bad paycheck. It's great money. But what are you going to do after the season is over if you're not re-signed by that team? And if you really haven't done much, you don't have much on film to really make somebody want to pick you up. You know, unless somebody, some scout has seen you in college and remembered, hey, I remember that guy. But for every guy who's remembered, there are hundreds who are forgotten.
3: Well, look at Miles Jack. He was going to be a what, an electrician, a carpenter? Yeah.
4: Look at the money he's made as a pro. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah, Yeah.
5: He's made good money as a pro. He's made a lot of money.
3: Yeah, and also he wanted to help out during a zombie apocalypse, if there ever is a zombie apocalypse. His words, not mine. Uh, Coming up, we're going to get into some of the training camp battles. We're going to talk about our all-time favorite uh, camp crushes, as it would be. It used to be Mr. Lehigh. It used to be Mr. Training Camp, and now this term camp crush. Has um has surfaced, and uh, that's what we're going to talk about. Some of our all-time favorite names that have come out. We'll go uh, as far back as like maybe twenty years ago. Here, we'll talk about some guys there. We'll also talk a little bit about James Harden and Joel Embiid. If you're a Sixers fan, where are you at right now? Emotionally, trying to fo- follow this horrendous bouncing ball that is James Harden, Daryl Morey, and now Joel Embiid's uh, Twitter or X account, whatever you want to call it. We'll also get into Sidney Brown. Uh, we'll get a little bit more into winning practice and. So when we come back, in case you guys didn't get into it yesterday, Darius Slay had some high praise for Devontae Smith, and we'll get into that when we come back here on Sports Take.
2: E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. Welcome back to
3: Sports Take. Mark Farzetta, Tony DeShields, Derek Gunn in for the uh, great Rob Ellis, who's uh, off this week. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, We got a lot to get into in this segment when it comes to our camp crushes, if you will, as well as... guy named Devontae Smith, who Darius Slay referred to as, quote, uh, won't be long before we're calling him the best receiver in the NFL. Devontae Mm. Smith, of course, 1,196 yards last season, seven touchdowns, had uh, 100 yards in the Super Bowl, had a touchdown uh, reception in the playoffs last year. He is playing opposite A.J. Brown, and he's being thrown the football by, I I believe, a guy that's going to be a perennial MVP candidate in the NFL. Gunner, I'll ask you this question. How far is he off that mark, or is that just a piping hot take from a teammate in Darius
4: Slay looking to hype up his boy, uh, Devontae Smith? What do you think? I I give Darius Slay a lot of props for for giving his boy a shout-out like that. And you can see from year one to year two that Devontae Smith made incredible uh, strides uh, in terms of route running, uh, toughness, uh, tough mental metal. Some of the shots he took last year in the, in, in, on the playing field for a guy who is that slight of build, you sitting there going, oh, man, that's it. He's done. And he pops up like one of those weaver wobbles. You can knock him down, but you can't keep him down. You know, um, I, I agree. I don't think he's that far off from being mentioned as one of the best. Um, to say the best in the league, I don't know because – you're always going to have, as, as long as they're in the league, you're going to have guys like Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, uh, Devontae Adams, who are always going to be in that conversation because they have consistently put up high-volume numbers and because of their athletic prowess on the field. You know, It's hard to sit here and say, who's the best of the best? And you can't just base it on numbers. You have to look at a lot of different things. When I look at a receiver – not only how well he runs his routes, how few passes he drops, but can he block? You know, receivers are required to block more than ever before in today's game, especially because it's a passing lead. And a lot of teams now like to throw the hitch pass, like to run the jet sweeps. So you guys on the edges have to get up, stick stick their nose in somebody's jersey and block as well. Um, I do think within the next couple of years, Devontae Smith, if he continues to ascend on the level he is ascending on, he will be consistently mentioned among the best in the game, but to single him out as the best in the game, you know that's one teammate's uh, accolades to another. That's not disrespect. That's just the fact of the game. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, and I think Justin Jefferson tone is a is the best, and I think he is the best in the game right now. I think guys like Stephon Diggs. I think guys like uh, Devontae Adams. I think those guys are going to be more on a downward trend, especially not just. De- Devonte Smith himself, but as Jalen Hurts continues to get better, his receiving core will obviously start to get better uh, at, with him as that progression starts up. But Tony, I think Justin Jefferson not only is the best in the league; he was the second best best player in the NFL in the top 100. So when it comes to Devonte Smith, what do you think the future holds for him,
5: Tony? It's so fascinating. Uh, Devonte Smith is uh, someone you would call a young veteran. You know, when you know, when he came in, he was a 23 year old rookie. You know, that, that, that's a little older. Than average for most rookies that come in. Uh, most rookies come in, they're 21, 22 years old. He was 23. Uh, so he was already uh polished and refined, not just as a player, but uh, you know, polished and refined as a professional. And he's never uh, made an uh made an ass out of himself, so to speak, right? He's always come in and done his job to the up, you know, uh, to the utmost degree. And there's some you know that you, you have to put a lot of stock in his approach to just not just his profession, but also his approach to his craft. I believe Devontae Smith is one of the best route runners in the NFL. That was one of his calling cards coming out of college. Sure, he was slight of build, right? Sure, he maybe didn't have the blazing speed of of a Tyreek Hill, right? Uh, But he's he's such a long player, long arms, long legs. He doesn't seem like he's going as fast as you may think because he has long strides, but he's covering a lot of ground there. Uh, Devontae Smith, what stands out to me about his game that I, that I noticed almost immediately is his ability to maintain focus, maintain focus, not just on the ball, but maintain focus on his technique on the sideline. I think Devontae Smith is one of the best sideline catchers in the NFL. Most of his highlights in his rookie year were close quarters, tight, tight windows on a sideline. One of his best catches of the year uh, came, uh, I believe, in that Washington game where I think I think it was a deep ball, like a, like a 30 or 40-yard bomb from the uh, Hurts, and he managed to get both feet inside on the sideline. I think it was the right sideline. Again, Devontae Smith, you know, his game is going to continue to transcend year after year. It was a rookie year, 916 receiving yards on 64 catches. 2022, one, over 11, almost 1,200 receiving yards, 95 receptions. He's, he's always averaged between 12 to 14 yards per perception. Uh, always <laughs> five and seven touchdowns uh, a year. He's such an effective, he's such an efficient player that he's able to create so much separation with just pure technique. I think his game will transcend um, age and father time. You know, there are some players where you can kind of tell once they get to a, once they get to the back nine, it's going to start to affect their effectiveness. Um, this is, this is, this is no disrespect towards DK Metcalf or AJ Brown, but their game is more predicated on their physicality and their athleticism. That's not saying they're not good route runners. That's not saying they're not good at what they do. They're at the top of their craft. But there's some guys' game that are more predicated on technique and fundamentals, and really being a much more polished product. Um, and that's where Devonte Smith comes in. He doesn't. He, he doesn't necessarily have the strength or the physicality of some of those guys, but he has. He he plays the position with such technique, and he's so fundamentally sound. Uh, at the catch point and I believe he's getting stronger as a matter of fact. Um he had he, he caught he caught way more 50-50 balls this season or in 2022 than he did in 2021. So so by so by that logic you're seeing his confidence growing you're seeing you're seeing him becoming stronger, more physical. And on top of that, he's an Iron Man. He hasn't missed a single game uh so far in his career. And that and that was a knock on him coming out of college. Will he survive the pounding of the NFL grind? And Devontae Smith has shown he's fully capable of doing that. And really quickly before I let D gun chime in, a lot of people always say, well, you know, Jalen Waddle was the guy, you know, if Jalen Waddle would never got hurt, he, he would have never won that Heisman. He would have never, you know, been able to showcase, you know, who he is on so and so forth. And I'm like, okay, probably, maybe you're right. You know, maybe Jalen Waddle is the more electric player. But when I look at Devontae Smith and the way he approached the position and I look at Jalen Waddle, they're both, they're both tremendous at their crafts. You know, that we, 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 we're going to be talking about that draft class with the three-headed monster, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith for a long time. You know, those that that that, that might that, that might have been the best trio of wide receivers we've seen come out at one time in the first round and in, in, in quite some time. But I think Devontae Smith is quite on par with Jalen Waddle. Again, he played in the system in his rookie year that wasn't really predicated on passing the ball that much. So he had so he had 916 yards on 94, 94 catches, 104 targets. That's not bad given the circumstances of the system he was in. Jalen Waddle was in a system where he threw the ball way more. He had a lot of dick and dunk. So, all I am saying is this, right? Jalen Waddle, tremendous player. Devonte Smith, tremendous player. I think Devontae Smith deserves more respect than he's been given. But again, it's all right. I like to compare him to a Marvin Harrison kind of guy, a guy that doesn't talk too much, doesn't really care about the rah rah, but he's going to be, but, but 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 he's going to produce and he's going to give you everything you need when it matters most.
4: See. Uh, unfortunately, well, unfortunately, a lot of times we based who is the best of the best based on their overall uh, numbers. But a lot of times the numbers are unfair because you look at a Devontae Adams, he get consistently over the last several years gets 120, 130 passes a game. Cooper Cup, the year a few years ago, he led the NFL. What did he have, like 140 catches? Right. He led the NFL in receiving. Whereas another guy that cracks a 1,000 yards may get 88 or 90 yards, so obviously his numbers are lesser. You know, so sort the of comparisons in that regard are unfair. If you put 15, 20 people in a room together who are hardcore football fans, even the so-called pundits in a game, and ask that, that simple question, who's the best receiver, name your top five receivers in the game today, I guarantee you, you'd have 20 different answers. Now, you'd probably have two or three names on everybody's list. But when you get to three through five, that's where the numbers vary. Devonte Smith, in, in a short amount of time in the NFL, has already proven that he is one of the upper echelon receivers in the game. I look, I love looking at receivers. When I base uh, an exceptional receiver, I base it on body control, and and based on what Tone just said, you know, the guy that can consistently make those acrobatic sideline catches and have the mental wherewithal to focus on the ball, focus on somebody draped on him, and still get your feet in bounds consistently. No, you know for a lot of great receivers a lot of them don't do that on a consistent basis because you know, they don't
5: trust their technique they don't indeed. trust the
4: technique yeah see like a Tyreek Hill he knows where the sidelines are at all times you know with Odell Beckham when he was in his prime before he started having a series of knee injuries Odell Beckham was the best of the best at making these one-handed acrobatic catches and tap, tapping his feet in bounds and frustrating the heck out of defenders and you have several receivers like let's well, just say more than several receivers that are exceptions to that rule every you know in, in today's game. But not every receiver has mastered that as early as the Devontae Smith has in his career. And that's why I say right now you put him in that conversation. Now, a lot of people outside of Philadelphia won't, you know, and that's understandable because he doesn't get the national accolades like the Justin Jefferson. Devontae Smith, you know, Cooper Cup had one incredible year. But now he's talked about as one of the great receivers in the game.
5: I think he's overrated. I'm sorry. I think Cooper. I think Cooper Cuff is one of the most overrated wide receivers in the NFL. If you look at his career, you isolate that one season. Every other year, he's, you know, he's a, a, a number two at best. I mean, again, I hate having. I, I hate. I hate. I hate when it comes off of disrespect. But we got to be honest about what we see. Sometimes, like I'm not saying he's not good at what he does. Mm-hmm. But that year he had, I mean, kudos to him. Super Bowl, Office Player of the Year, all that kind of stuff. Like, he, it, it, it was great, right? But I can't put him in the category of a guy like A.J. Brown or Justin Jefferson or Mike Evans or Akeenan Nile. Or uh, I just – I personally can't. I, 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 I don't know.
4: When I, when I look at a Cooper Cup, he's not a blazer. But what he is is one of the best technicians in the game. And I respect that. I he got a lot was, of respect for that. That man that man sets you up and, and, and shakes free of cornerbacks. There's a reason why he had 140 catches. But was he a one-hit wonder? You know, we don't know. That still that's, still remains to be seen. But when you look at him run routes, sure-handed, not afraid to go over the middle. Um, and, and I said he's not a blazer, but look at how many times he gets by DBs because of his technique, because of his ability, like a Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams is not a blazer. Not even close to a blazer. You look at how many times Devontae Adams gets caught from behind when he's in open space. He's not fast. He's quick and he's deceptive. Cooper Cup is the same way. Cooper Cup might be faster than Devontae Adams, but he's not a blazer. But because they have learned their craft so well in terms of route running and and setting up DBs and make you think you're going to cut one way and you shake free the other way, that's a gift. You know, that goes to show you he's worked and worked and worked at his craft as is all the case with the upper echelon receivers in a game to get to where they are. Um, but again, you know, I look at a Tyreek Hill has done it consistently. A Devontae Adams has done it consistently. Cooper Cup has had some decent years, but he had this one wild year that supposedly put him on this pedestal all of a sudden. No, because then he got hurt the next year. You know, you, you got to be able to have that durability, you know, as well if you're going to be mentioned in, that, in those conversations. And, and to me, he hasn't had that yet.
3: Sure. I And I also feel like a lot of times when a player is targeted too much, it's almost at their detriment. Like it doesn't help their argument because then it becomes similar to the Carson Wentz to Zach Ertz thing. It's like Zach Ertz had this incredible season, but always yeah. oh, focusing on him too much. Was Stafford doing that too much with, with Cooper cup, uh, Cooper cup. 91 so, targets that year. So yeah. So that he's being fed. All right. He, and look to his credit, he's getting open. So I'm not going to take that away from him, but yeah. Uh as far as as far as Devontae Smith goes, um, and and, and Tone and Gunner, I think both of you mentioned this, but like we'll look at every single player, even if they have a good season, even if they have a good rookie year, which obviously Devontae Smith did, and we'll nitpick and we'll say, Well, what can they do better? My one request: if I could fish a wish after Devontae Smith's year, certainly it would be that the guy throwing the football would improve, and Jalen Hurts certainly did that. Uh, it would be that they got another target next to him, and AJ Brown. I think we could all agree is a nice target to have next to him. But just personally, individually, the thing I was hoping Devonte Smith would do is come into last season, the twenty twenty two season, with stronger hands. Like like the, his his frame. I know a lot of people got bent out of shape. Not every wide receiver in the NFL is six four. You know, two hundred fifty pounds. Like that. Not everybody is built like that. All right. So right. I'm over that. But if you can catch, run routes, avoid the big contact, get out of bounds, make those catches down the sideline, keep your feet in bounds, then you're going to be a great receiver in this league. And Devontae Smith, I thought, from year one to year two, showed you how much stronger his hands could be. Because when he would catch balls in traffic two years ago during his rookie season, a lot of times you'd see that other hand come in from a safety, any defensive back corner, whatever, and they'd come in, then make a swipe, and the ball would be gone. He couldn't hold on. that football or if the ball was a little bit out of his reach his fingers weren't strong enough to corral it in now they are that's the biggest leap individually just talking about devontae smith what he's done for himself when the ball is delivered to him his hands are a lot stronger to hold on to that ball in traffic or when it's just one-on-one he's got the guy beat by half a step by the way more on that just one second but when he's got the guy beat by half a step and they come in with that swat that ball is securely in his hands you talk about maturity overall mentally he certainly has that. Now it's like his uh, his hands have caught up with that. They have matured, and they're a lot stronger than what they were during his rookie campaign. So I look forward to seeing him do that again. And as far as the route running goes, what I really found wild was Devon, or, um, Darius Slay when he was talking about how great uh, Devontae Smith is Darius Slay said oh yeah he's still one of the best route runners in the league probably the best route runner in the league and I was covering and I was trying to stay with him and I was I was I was staying with him. it was like he was trying to brag that he was staying with the best route runner in the league he's like I was staying with him but nobody can stay with him like that like he can still make plays like that he doesn't even need the half step he needs a quarter step and that to him is wide open because for a guy that is not you know five. His catch radius is off the charts with balls he could jump to, lunge for, reach out to, one hand, curl in, all that. He, he just has a phenomenal, uh, phenomenal catch radius for a guy that is not one of the bigger uh, wide receivers in the league. And I look forward to seeing him take that to the next level this season. That's what I think a lot of us are looking forward to, uh, if, I, if I do say so. Yeah, um,
5: absolutely.
3: One, one, one more uh, thing. Uh, I promised we'd get into this segment here. Uh, the term camp crush has come around. Now, I want to I want to talk about one person right now that I think has really jumped off the screen to a lot of people or jumped off the grass to a lot of people, and that's Sidney Brown. Uh, Gunner, I know when we've talked about this, and and, and Tone, I know you've, you've said something similar as well. The safety position was really up in the air opening training camp. Some people were questioning whether or not even Reed Blankenship's job was really safe. Did he really solidify himself a starting role on this defense? I didn't believe it when I saw it, but Kayvon Wallace was getting first team reps along with Terrell Edmonds. When they listed the safeties on the uh, depth chart for as unofficial as it could be, they had Kayvon Wallace, they had Terrell Edmonds, they had Sidney, Sidney Brown down with the second and third team. One preseason game. And, boy, was there a shakeup to that roster. Then this week you see Sidney Brown start to get first-team reps after he led the team in tackles against the Baltimore Ravens after he was around the ball on every single play that he was in on defensively. I, 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 it's not just one preseason game. This guy, I know he's only a third-round pick, but this guy, everything you read about and everything you watched, uh, watched him do at Illinois, this guy came in with – talking about maturity in a young player. This guy was bringing that to the table immediately. He talks after the Ravens game. I don't know if you guys saw this. He's talking about just, I just want to make sure I make the 53-man roster. I'm like, what? You're going to be a starter on this defense after that performance. It, it really feels like the Eagles are going to have a very inexperienced safety position when it comes to both him and Blankenship. You're talking about a, one full year under their belt combined starting off this season. Are you guys buying into the Sydney Brown hype as everybody's camp crush right now? After one preseason game, or is this what you expected to see from Sydney Brown as camp went on, where he, where he would earn a starter's role in that secondary? Where are you guys at on
4: Sydney Brown? Sydney Brown right now is doing everything he did when he was at Illinois. Um, he flies around. He's around the ball. He's aggressive. He's assertive. Um, And and you saw him make an open field tackle, which was one of the negatives of all the pundits who who graded him, is that he was inconsistent in tackling. He was always looking for the big hit instead of wrapping up. Well, you've seen him wrap up, and, you know, you look at his sideline pursuit and how quickly he gets the ball carries. My goodness. You're right. I do think his curve is accelerating. You can tell he's hungry. He doesn't just want – he says he just wants to make the 53. No, he's trying to make a name for himself. That's what you want to see. He's shown all the attributes that that we thought he would have coming out of college. Now, again, he, we saw a small sample size in a preseason game. Okay. He's, he's, he's been, you know, making a name for himself in his joint practice sessions uh, uh, against Cleveland. That's what he has to do consistently keep doing that. He's going to push for playing time, but you also notice that, that Reed Blankenship's looking over his shoulder because Reed has been getting a lot of pub. three interceptions against the Browns and two practice sessions. You know, he's making plays as well. You know, sometimes somebody pushing you makes you a lot better. You know, it makes some players a lot nervous, forcing them to make more mistakes. Right now it looks like the presence of Sidney Brown is making Reed Blankenship a lot better player, you know. And that's a good thing because I wouldn't say it's out of the realm of reality. You can see both Reed and Sidney on the back end of the defense and Terrell Edmund sitting on the bench. You know, I I can see it happening. You know, the Eagles like to get younger yet get better at the same time. Now, if you put those two on the back end together at the same time, you're going to have some problems early on, communication problems, things <clears> of that nature, but that's okay because you have enough to sur- surrounding them in terms of veteran presence that can cover up some of those minor deficiencies until they get it on the same page. But right now, Sidney Brown is providing a wow factor in camp.
5: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I know, uh, as far as you mentioned uh, he's only a, a third-round pick, but I don't know. I'm of the mindset that, First, second, third, those are high-value picks, right? So I don't want to just diminish a guy. And I'm not saying I'm, – I'm not coming at you, but, like, you know, I personally don't want to uh, diminish a guy because he was a third-round pick. You know, these, these guys are talented, right? There's a lot of guys – Everybody, everybody can be a first round pick, right? You know, there are some guys who are borderline first round. You know, sometimes, sometimes it depends on your position. Sometimes it depends on what positions are of high value in that particular draft and what teams need around that time. You know, it, it's, it's so many variables that go into, you know, where you're drafted, right? But, you know, being a third round pick, the Philadelphia Eagles put a lot of stock into Sidney Brown. They've invested a high value pick, in my opinion, in Sydney Brown. And you know when you think about Sidney Brown and and, and what he brought to the table at brought to the table at Illinois, like you said, Diga, he doesn't just run two tackles; like he runs through tackles. He wants to run through you. Um, something that stood out to me, you know, obviously they got into the scuffle uh, at the joint practice because uh, after Reed Blankenship intercepted the ball, you know, he attempted to return it, and you know, once once the interception happens, defense turns into offense, and now they're trying to block. So at that point, Sidney Brown goes and lays a guy out. It was clean as well. Everyone said it was clean. He lays a guy out, cleaver then take, take too kindly to that, and a scuffle ensued. And Cindy Brown had this to say about it. Quote, he said, we're practicing hard. They're practicing hard. And that's what it turns into, a high-intensity practice. It's hot outside. It's early in the day, and we're ready to go. I'll have to go back and look at the tape, but I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure it was a clean hit. I want to be a feared player. That's been my mindset going into this. How can you not love a guy like that? Right? He says, I play with that intensity every single day. You're going to connect at some point. You're going to feel it. My intention isn't to hurt people, but if you're carrying that football, then you have to know I'm coming for you. End quote. That's the kind of guy we need in Philadelphia. That's that, quote unquote, Brian Dawkins mentality. That's that Weapon X mentality. Now, look, I'm not saying he's going to be that. I don't want to put that kind of pressure on him because that's that's a pro football Hall of Fame type of talent right there. Right? But, A guy like Sidney Brown, his mentality, his approach to the game. Maybe he may not start week one or week two, but that's the kind of mentality you need on special teams. The Philadelphia Eagles' special teams has been lackluster for the past handful of years. And when you got a guy like Sidney Brown who's coming to bring the wood every single day, and he he, he's looking at it from the perspective of "I just want to make the fifty-three man roster. That's what I care about." Like. That level of humbleness, that level of gratitude, you know, to your, you know, to your position, because his story is fascinating. You know, he, you know, he, uh, born and raised in Canada. Um, mother got sick. Um, was homeless for a time. Had to live with his grandmother for a little bit. His mother sent him and his brother uh, to the states, to Florida. You know, to play, uh, to play high school ball. You know, the, you know, they come from a hockey background, so that already speaks to his mentality of how he approaches physicality. But they, you know, from a young age, they've, you know, he's been fighting for everything he's ever gotten. So for him to become a third round pick, went to the College of Illinois, get drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles, he understands that this isn't given. This is earned. And that's the kind of guy that fits into the Philadelphia uh, zeitgeist, the Philadelphia mentality. Right. That blue collar, that blue collar lifestyle of Philadelphia is all about. You guys get it Dika. you've been living in you've been living there, you know, near the area for well over 20 years. Farsi, likewise, you know, you I'm pre, I believe you grew up here. So my thing is, and, and me myself, I grew up in Philadelphia, born and raised in North Philadelphia. There's a, there's a mentality that comes with this city. There's a grit, right? And Sidney and Brown embodies that. It goes beyond just the numbers. He's a, he's a guy that's going to impact the flow of a game, and that's the kind of guy you want.
4: was the last time you had a, 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 a safety with a mindset of, of even mentioning the name uh, with, with Brian Dawkins? Now, you know, obviously Brian Dawkins wasn't always Brian Dawkins that we – we got to know he had to. Right. Look. I love telling the story about Dawkins. Told me the story a number of times, as well as on other platforms. He was worried every day about making a roster. He was afraid to look at his locker a lot of times because he thought it was going to be a pink slip hanging in his locker. Until one of the coaches finally told him, "said No, you understand that a second round pick normally makes the roster." He didn't know. He didn't know that. You know, he was worried every day, and, and it took until a Jim Johnson got here, which really opened up who Brian Dawkins became. You know, because he was always unsure of himself. Plus, he was always battling that depression element as well. So there was a lot going through Brian Dawkins' life. But I love everything about Sidney Brown. Loved him in college. Um, you know, a lot of people say, me, I can't believe he lasted the third round." Well, there's a lot of good players that can't go in the first or second rounds for whatever reasons. They don't meet certain teams' needs at that particular time, and they keep sliding down the draft board. That's understandable. Great, some of your best players in the history of the game are third, fourth, fifth, sixth-round picks. The I league is filled.
5: The league Tom is filled
4: more third, fourth, yeah. fifth, sixth-round guys than anything else. Look, Tom Brady—if Tom Brady only gets on the field because what, Drew Bledsoe got hurt, you know who knows? If Bledsoe hadn't got hurt, what what would Tom Brady's career have been like? Maybe he would have assumed that role in a later status in life. If if, if but once he got in there, the coaches said, "Wait a minute." Wait, we didn't know this kid could do this. You know, all of a sudden, you know, Drew uh, Bledsoe. I meant, Drew Bledsoe was an afterthought. See, so you know, I love, I love Sidney Brown. He's not just see. He's out there trying to turn heads, making sure, making sure that my name is going to be mentioned every day for something. Okay. And he's playing with this reckless abandon while he's learning to transition from a college player to a pro player. And he's doing more positive things than negative. Now, as a young player, he's going to continue to make mistakes. That's all right. But if you make mistakes hustling, coaches love that because they can smooth out the rough edges and tell you, okay, I need you to see you take a better angle this way. I need you to see wrap up a little bit more. Your anticipation is fine. But watch this. If you're covering somebody, watch this in a player's footwork. You know what I'm saying? It comes with time. You don't learn everything your first year in the National Football League, but he's on a great trajectory right now.
3: Mm -hmm. And Devontae Maddox talked about it yesterday as well when he said, you know, this guy's going to make a mistake. He's going to make it uh, fast, and he's going to make it aggressive. Everything he does is fast and aggressive. And certainly the Philadelphia fan base loves that. The other thing that Devontae Maddox said was he flat out called him a heat-seeking missile. Sidney Brown is a heat-seeking missile as a safety. I look forward to the next step. There's a couple of things I know we'll get more into it tomorrow when we're on the uh, the, the, the the afternoon of the preseason, uh, the second preseason game there against the Browns. But if I'm going to see Sidney Brown again, I am curious to see how he does in coverage as opposed to being more aggressive. Now, look, being aggressive is great, but I also want to see how he might react to some of the uh, what do they call it now, the trickeration behind the line of scrimmage, whether or not he's going to bite on fakes behind the line of scrimmage, whether he's going to bite on play action, whether or not he can drop back and make a ball hawking play as opposed to coming up to make a play closer to the line of scrimmage. That's the next step, I think, for a guy like Sidney Brown. But he's already gained a lot of adulation and a lot of praise from his coaching staff yeah. uh, and from his players. One thing I found, uh, teammates, one thing I found that was really interesting, Nick Sirianni yesterday was asked twice about Sidney Brown. Specifically, about Sidney Brown, he took that opportunity to just give, I think, a masterclass in coach speak, where he was like, "Oh yeah, Sidney Brown, let me tell you how great our safeties are." And he wouldn't specifically talk about Sidney Brown until there was a follow-up question about. So, but Sidney Brown in particular is doing really well. Like, what are you making him? Any point? It's all the things you would, you know, you would assume. I mean, he didn't work, work ethic, all that stuff. But he but here's there. the thing: is it wrong to acknowledge, like, especially if the question is directly about the player? Is it wrong to acknowledge, or do you really have to pull teeth with the head coach to talk about just how well the guy is adapting to life at the NFL up? So
5: it's my game. I mean, it's you know, you
3: know I,
4: it's, I, it's not. But the coach is keeping the player even keel. You know, and you know what? Some cl- coaches like to rave about their players. Other coaches, you know, when does Bill Belichick tell you anything about anybody? You know, it's it's all individually. You know, some coaches, you know, they will pat, pat players and I pat I pat them on the back, and put them up on his pedestal. You know what? If that's not Sirianni's mo, maybe he doesn't want to give him his head too big at this stage. You know, uh, hey, look, man, you're doing a
5: great job. Just keep doing what you're doing, okay? And certain positions require a certain level of coddling, right? Like if you notice <laughs> last year, not saying this is Jalen Hurts' character, but you know, Nick Sirianni made it a point to always talk up Jalen Hurts. You know, your quarterback position requires a lot of instilling of confidence. You know what I'm saying? A defensive guy, a safety, you know, those guys, you know. And plus, on top of that, he's a third-round pick. Not diminishing the value of the pick, but they didn't spend the first-round pick on him. So there's a difference in how they treat those guys and how they want to talk about those guys. So, and also he's he's battling in a room that's that's clearly not clear that's clearly not yet set in stone. So I think Sirianni did the right thing. You don't want to just you know make a guy think he's already arrived. But the good thing is Cindy Brown is a player that you don't have to even think about that when it comes to him. He knows he hasn't arrived. Like you said, far as he, he's just trying to make the roster. Having that. That mentality that goes back to what I said about the precincts game. These guys are fighting for livelihood. Sidney Brown strike me strikes me as a guy that you know he's not just fight, uh, fighting for glory. He's fighting for livelihood. You know he he had an uninterrupted episode with the Philadelphia Eagles on their YouTube channel, and uh, you know they focused on Bradbury and Sidney Brown. Uh, Sidney Brown spoke a lot about how you know he you know you know, as, you know as a rookie they tell you you know maybe you shouldn't buy a house right away you know you know wherever you get drafted so on and so forth. He said, listen. I I bought myself a house. In, I bought myself a house in Philly because I I had to do it. You know, it was one of those things that, you know, being able to buy myself a home, you know, that, to me, that to me, that was the sign of I've arrived, you know, not just as a player, but as um, a professional, you know, as a man, you know, being able to, you know, knowing where I came from, being homeless. I'm going to buy myself a house. So I respect his mentality. Right. So. Yeah, man, it's only one preseason a game. You know, he had nine solo tackles. Don't really, I don't really take stats too much into account in the preseason. But I just, I just, I just admired his approach. How when he was on that field, you knew he was there. He was flying around, and like you said, Farzi uh, The next step in his development is just patience and knowing when to let his foot off the gas and when to hit the brake and so on and so forth.
4: See, uh, I, I, I like. I, I like the accolades he's getting now, but 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 telling you you know, having been on the show with me and Rob and, and Bear for so long, you know, how I am about training camp, preseason, oh I games, know, so forth, so forth. You know, you scoff I'm, at it,
5: you scoff at it.
4: I, I do. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I I need to see him as good as he looks. I want to see when coordinators start scheming when they start mm-hmm. looking at him, what his pluses and minuses are, how they try to scheme against him. You know, you, you a coordinator schemes against and opposing teams overall concepts and they start singling out individual players that they may try to attack. You know, I'm not saying they're going to be trying to attack Sidney Brown if he becomes that starter, but I want to see how he responds when he's playing against the best of the best from the quarterbacks to the wide receivers in a game. And let's face it. You look at this collection of quarterbacks. They're playing this year, light years ahead of what they played last year. Okay. So I want to see, I have to wait to form a definitive opinion of when they get to the regular season. You know, I, I love all the accolades, you know, the training camp, you know, uh, thunder that certain p- players get, uh, the preseason games, you're looking at, at, at who they're playing opposite against, looks good. you rather see them making positive plays than negative plays, but I got to see when you hit the ground running, when it starts for real, exactly what we're looking at here. All right. Now, it's
3: not the actual Hall of Fame, but we'll call it the training camp Hall of Fame. Let's talk about some camp crushes when we come back, some people that we thought were going to be all that when the season actually started uh, right after training camp. But we'll get into that. We'll also get into uh, actual first-round picks. We've been talking about third-round picks. We'll get into Nolan Smith. We'll get into, uh, of course, Jalen Carter, the expectation of what they showed us in preseason game number one and what the expectation could be going into preseason game number two. Also, the joint practices with the Cleveland Browns were very um, hit or miss. Eagles missed big time in uh, the first one, and they hit big time in the second one. So we'll break that down when we come back here on Sports Take. That's Tone to Shields. That's Derek Gunn. Uh, my name is Mark Farzenda. We're in for uh, Rob Ellis today, who has the rest of the week off. Be back with you guys in a few.
11: 267-261-3428.
3: Welcome back, everybody. Mark Parzetta, Derek Gunn, uh, Tone De Shields. We're in for well, Gunner's always here. Tone's producing. I'm filling in. Rob Ellis uh, taking care of his lovely daughter, getting uh, used to the college world. Uh, so uh, we wish her all the best and hope uh, Rob's having a fun time showing her around town and all that stuff. He'll be back on the show on Monday. Um, so we talked a lot about Sidney Brown already. Um, the joint practices here with the Browns, uh, something is very interesting in, in particular here. Apparently there were some um, rather upset members of the Cleveland Browns yesterday after the Eagles had their way with the Browns granted at practice, but the Eagles had their way with them apparently. And one of the guys that was uh, rather upset was uh, Joel Batone, uh, Batonio, who is uh, an all pro five time two time first team, I believe three times second team, all pro. Uh, he said he didn't like how the Eagles were hitting Deshaun Watson, quote unquote, hitting Deshaun Watson went on to site, that they were knocking the ball out of Deshaun Watson's hand when they were winning a pass rush. This, this seems a little ticky-tack there, Gunner. I don't really think this is anything worth bragging about, but I like the idea that they're already in the Browns' heads, especially if you're Jalen Carter or Nolan Smith and you're beating all pros.
4: Well, you know, Cleveland, you know, has one of the better offensive lines in the National Football League, and they take pride in the fact of protecting their quarterback. And nobody wants to see their quarterback get hit because that's considered the no-no of joint practice sessions. You do not touch the quarterback. But I think it was more so them getting their, their butts beat up front because everything I saw coming out of camp yesterday is that the Eagles defensive front was using and ab- abusing the Browns offensive line. Um, and, and I think it goes – I'm surprised it didn't get – go a little further than that because Joe also said, you know, it's a good thing we're not practicing against them today because it would be a bloodbath. And as I'm looking around social media earlier today, I saw – Things really got out of hand between the Ravens and Washington. You know, both teams spill out in the field. Then this morning, Jets and Tampa Bay, extracurricular stuff started happening. Both teams spilled out to the middle of the field then. It was like a rugby scrum, you know. So, you know, from a a perspective of keeping things under control and getting a lot of work done in a short amount of time, kudos to both the, the Eagles and the Browns for doing that. But I'm sure it's the frustration of them getting their butts handed to them yesterday by this Eagles defensive front.
5: Man, you know, listen, D gun. If you won't say it, I will. He mad Jalen Carter was whooping that ass. Ah. That's, what, that's, that's, what, that's what that sound like to me. Okay. That sound like somebody who's a little bent out of shape that a rookie came in and put those two all pros in the trash can and took it out to the pastor. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, Tone, like, tugging Tone, tugging Tone. Smack. Hey, listen, listen. I'm all about I'm all about showing mad respect, right? But you you can't be the one talking about yeah you know they took cheap shots on my guy. Listen, the ball is fair game. They hit the ball. They didn't touch him. They hit the ball. That's all it is, man. It's okay. You gotta get used to stripping the quarterback. You, know? you gotta you gotta get used to putting that pressure on them. And it's, it's ain't no disrespect. You know the, you know the, these guys is hot and ready to go. It's it's high outside. It was humid. John McMullen was out there. He was saying, listen, man, it, it, it got. It was so hot out there, man, you knew a thunderstorm was coming. That's how bad it was. So, look, all I know is rain, sleet of snow, them birds trying to go. I'll it at that.
4: It's hot. You're pushing up against, you know, guys, you know, are hitting guys. You you don't want to get hit. If somebody hits you a certain way, you take exception to it because the heat is intensified out there as it is. Temp- you know, tempers flare. You know, it's a part of the game, and especially you don't want to be embarrassed because when you get embarrassed, then your coaches are yelling at you, you hmm. know. So it's understandable. And and based on what we've heard, and I'm surprised they didn't go to Knuckle Junction. To be honest, you know, <laughs> taking well, the City Knuckle. Here, here's my issue. All right, if they were
3: taking cheap shots (plural), why wasn't there more of a of a scuffle? Why, really why wasn't there more of a problem? If if Deshaun Watson's actually getting touched, hit, pushed, whatever, and you don't like that as an all pro offensive lineman, then where the hell are you while all this is going on? You're just going to, mm-hmm. oh, I can't wait to complain to the media after this practice is over. I could do something right now on the field.
4: Wait, wait. Say that, no, I'm gonna, say that again. I'm going
5: to say that again. I'm going to complain to the media about it. <laughs> I can't wait till I get to the blackout. You really don't want me to touch your quarterback? exactly let me through yeah exactly exactly simple so to
3: me to come out afterwards and talk about it and not really do anything about it on the field I guarantee you I guarantee you somebody goes over there if Miles Garrett was getting a little too close to uh Jalen Hurts at practice if he was doing anything that pissed off the offensive lineman there'd be a problem right then and there and guess what the day before the first practice there was an issue Jay, uh, Jordan Mailata was getting beat the brakes off of so much so uh, by I think it was Jeff by, by Miles Garrett. If they put it out there, or Jeff McLean of the Inquirer put it out there saying that if it was a game, it would have been a situation where you had to make sure you were running another tight end to that side to help him out or running your blocking scheme just for Miles Garrett. So it, there was an issue. There was no issue apparently with the Eagles you know, bitching and moaning about how Miles Garrett was acting after the fact. And if there was, they would have handled it immediately. They wanted a way to address it with the media afterwards.
5: <laughs> it, it, it was, it's just, it's, it's just, look, man, it's just training camp. And you got, they're the ones that, that are saying they put more stock into these joint practices than the precincts games. Well, you got to let, you got to let off some steam somewhere. Like you said, Farzi. everything was all good until Sydney Brown laid the hit. So don't start talking about cheap shots all of a sudden, you know, listen, and as far as I'm concerned, it was a, it was a clean hit. So, Regardless, man, they didn't. It's not like they tackled Watson to the ground. They just, you know, smacked that ball out of his hand a little bit. Let him know that. Listen, you better make sure those butterfingers are uh, nice and stiff, man, because, you know, we're coming. And, and, and look, here's the thing. Right. It's so I, I, I like the mentality that this Eagles team is approaching uh, their offseason. Right. They're clearly in a mindset that we have unfinished business and everybody else in our way is simply food you're just you're just asphalt on the tread you get what I mean like we're just you' you're you're just a path to the ultimate destination and I think that's what we're seeing here you know we even saw Nick Sirianni throughout many practices that he was going at his team for lack of discipline lack of technique you know uh, lack of attention to detail sort to of speak right so we so so when you couple all those things together this team understands what's at stake here and they refuse to leave any stone unt- unturned. Like I said, anybody else on the schedule, anybody pr- joint practice preseason, whatever it is, you're just you're just you're just appetizers to the ultimate meal because you can't get to the meal without getting through your appetizers. And listen, if you want dessert, you got to finish those vegetables, okay? And the Eagles didn't finish their vegetables in that Super Bowl. It's just that simple. Finish your vegetables and you get the dessert.
3: Yeah. We're on the, the Mott sticks. We're on the mozzarella sticks. We're on the uh twice-baked mashed
5: potatoes. With uh-huh. A little cheddar and bacon on top. That's The, where mac, at. the, the Little Mac and cheese bites. Where, you know, we're sitting right there right now. <laughs> well,
4: see, this, this team, this team set a standard defensively last year that was unequaled in terms of quarterback pressures, quarterback sex. You know, so that is carried over into this training camp. This is what we are. This is our identity on defense. That we're coming after you up front. Try to stop us if you can. So I understand they're practicing what is the what is the old adage? Practice makes perfect. This is where that starts, you know, in training camp, because you have so many new pieces to the equation. You want to make sure they understand exactly what is expected of them. We set a precedent last year that was unequaled, and we intend to carry that over into 2023. And you better be ready to jump on board with what we're doing because we are nonstop. We deep. We rotate. We are nonstop. If you in there, you better make your presence felt. All right. Uh, real quick, I want to ask
3: you guys this question
4: because we got the camp crushes
3: that are out there. We got the you know the the, the people that are Mister Training Camp. I remember uh, plenty of Mister Lehighs back when it was at Lehigh University, right? What was the other one? Widener, but was it Widener before Lehigh? Is uh, that yeah. the order? Yeah. Okay. That was, that was my first one. That was my first one. Who is or who are your all-time Camp crushes, Mr. Training Camps, whatever you want to call it. Oh, Any man. names jump to mind? Because well, there's one in particular that jumps to mind when I think about a guy that in training camp, oh, this guy. Oh, wait till you see Hank Basket. Wait till you see him reeling passes from Donovan. Oh, Hank oh, Basket. Oh, that Hank Basket guy. Oh, minus, man. Mine
5: is Travis Fogel. You know that.
4: My okay, God. Travis Fogel. Well, he at least had a flash in the pan during the season.
5: Right, right,
4: And then all of a sudden he flashed out. Everybody's like, what happened to him? We thought he was headed for the Pro Bowl early in the season. That one year, that Then all of a yeah. sudden he was in a witness protection program.
5: Lord have mercy. Don't, yeah, don't. and then
3: all of a sudden he was in Green Bay with actual members of the witness protection program. Yeah, but right. that's that was one. Travis Fulgham's uh, – Hank Baskett's another one. Who, well, who I else? Got like, I got
4: like seven on our list here.
3: Uh, who, who do you got?
4: Oh, it starts with Donnell Pumphrey. Oh, wow. wow. Oh, yeah. He came, you know. He he ran for over two thousand yards his last season at San Diego State. Eagles draft him. Everybody's thinking, man, this dude's going to be a great addition to our backfield. Well, he was, you know, fourth. Was he fourth on the uh, depth chart? Um, but his rookie year, he tore his hamstring, so he never really did much of anything. And then the next year, um, he was gone. Went to Detroit. Came back. You know, downhill Pumphrey. I mean, he, you know, this guy was. Mr. Everything, great back coming out of college. Small. Was he a
3: third? Was he a third round pick or a second was, round?
4: Uh, what What was he? Two, uh, um, was he third or fourth? I think he was fourth. Fourth round pick.
3: I think. Uh, yeah, I, I fourth round pick. Okay, yeah.
4: Yeah, but he was supposed to be the next great one coming out right. of college. Two thousand yard rusher, got everything. Mm-hmm. Don't judge him by his size. You know, he can do it all. That man couldn't get out of the tub. You can't make the club if you're in the tub. You know, and and he wasn't here that long. Uh, But my all-time favorite, because I'll never forget this one. In 2011, Eagles drafted safety out of Temple University. Jaquan Jarrett. Yeah. In the second round. And I remember Howie Roseman, have you seen this kid hit? Howie's just salivating about this kid, Jaquan Jarrett. Have you seen him hit? Man, Jaquan Jarrett was gone before his uniform got wet. <laughs> I mean, and the thing is, I love the kid. I went up to his home in, in Brooklyn. You know, they lived in like a row house, him and his mom. You know, you walk in the house, narrow house, but the most gracious family you ever wanted to meet. Very well mannered, uh, very well spoken, you know, so- soft spoken guy. You're thinking, okay. But he got out on the football field and it was like, Hey man, you you played the game in college, right? I mean, you you, you did play, um, dude. It was like, and they gave Eagles gave up on him real quick. They realized real quick that uh, we made a glaring mistake here, and he was a second round pick. You know, I got uh, Nate Brown. Nate Brown was supposed to be the next great, great receiver. Oh my god
5: remember uh what's the dude um is this it, is it sheldon gibson is it sheldon gibson uh
3: oh the speedster oh he was supposed to redefine speed at the position of wide receiver for the eagles that sheldon gibson absolutely yeah yeah okay
5: he he no, spoiler
4: he, it didn't happen
5: it did not happen <laughs> he re- he redefined a lot of a lot of other things off the field i'll just say that
4: <laughs> oh, oh don't forget you cannot forget danny Watkins. Uh, oh danny Watkins. well 25 yeah. year old offensive lineman He's going to be a pro bowler. You know, his more claim to fame was being a firefighter than it was a football player. He was a
3: firefighter, a hockey player, and then a pile of nothing, and then football. That was, like, at the bottom of that. But the thing is, I'll say, not not to defend Danny Watkins, but, like, at least he was a first-round pick. Like, at least there was, like, oh, first-round pick. You're supposed to contribute as a first-round pick. And that guy had nothing. Howard Mudd. I remember talking to people in Gunnar. Maybe you heard the same thing. Howard Mudd rode him into the ground. Like, Tone, you mentioned the whole thing about coddling people.
4: Broke him. Broke
3: (laughs) him. He broke him. Uh, It was like some guys need to be coddled. Danny Watkins is one of the guys that need to be coddled. And I guess Howard Mudd just – he liked a lot of things about him physically, but there were certain things about his game and his technique, obviously because he barely played football. Um, They wanted to to teach him, and they thought the best way to do it was tough love. (laughs) The next thing you know, the guy's like – I think I'm just going to go back to running into burning buildings because this football thing is just not for me. Uh, But, hey, he made some money. (laughs) That's a hell of a life choice.
4: The running joke was he made just enough money as a first-round pick to buy his own fleet of fire trucks. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly what he did because he he got to a point, we were all wondering, does he even want to play football? And they were wondering the same same thing in the building. Does he even want to play football? Because Howard Mudd broke him down like a fraction, man.
5: You know, let, let me ask you guys this, right? You know, since we're on the training camp darling thing, let's take it a step further. You know, you know, were there any guys who maybe they weren't necessarily deemed as training camp darlings, but they were brought into this team, be it draft, be it trade, be it free agent signing. They were brought into this team with super high expectations, like expectations that kind of transcend what they've already done. But bottom line is they, 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 they came in with so many expectations and – they just fall flat. Not, not not like they just they just didn't meet it exactly. They fall flat. And one oh, yeah. guy, one Trying guy that to comes to mind is Namdi Asamwa. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Namdi That was so bad. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh my
4: goodness. You're right. You're right. People thought he was gonna come in here and be that pro Bowl player. my goodness. Namdi was already getting ready for his acting career. Which he he's doing,
5: he, doing pretty well at
4: actually. I know, but he had his mind more in acting than he did playing football. <laughs> you talk about articulate, intelligent. Nnamdi Asamoah, man, he could have run for a political office. He was just that guy. But when it came, he came, to on the football field, he was like, hey, hey, it's not the same dude we got from the West Coast. Who, who is this? You know, how about John Hightower, speedster? Couldn't wait. You know, he's going to take the top off defenses. Man, he was so prominent that when our uh, first year of Sirianni, when they went to that playoff game against Tampa, he wasn't even on the active roster. Mm-hmm. He, he, but he coming in training camp, he has all the attributes. He's gonna be a good one, you know, has the potential to be this exception. what did he run? Like a 4-3 or something like that.
3: And he ran a 4-4-3. Four, four, yeah.
4: And man, he, he couldn't he couldn't find the ball to save his save his life.
3: No, no. I, I think he had trouble staying healthy as well. So he was another one of those guys that just, just couldn't find oh, his way in okay. the football team regularly. There was there was one more and it applies. I know you we've discussed this before, but um, was it Casey Matthews?
8: Oh, yeah,
4: Casey yes. Matthews. Yes.
3: Oh, yes, a starting linebacker for this Philadelphia Eagles team. I think I can't remember if they were running the 4 3 at that time, uh, under Chip Kelly, but um, yeah, they uh, Casey Matthews was a starting linebacker, he was supposed to come from this great football family, and he did. But as the old joke goes, the gene pool ran shallow by the time um, he, he got there, or he well, was from it, the shallow end of the gene pool.
4: People thought he was going to be the second coming of his brother playing. <laughs> he yeah. was, you know, um, and I'm, I'm going to tell you something, man. You Philadelphia fans re- fell out of love with him real quick. And he was getting all this pub and training camp also. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's going to fit our scheme perfectly. You know, He's do- he does this, he does that. And that's another reason why I'm sitting back going, show me a game. When he got to the race, that man couldn't make a play unless a play stumbled in front
5: of (laughs) him. Remember Byron Maxwell? (laughs) Oh, of course. That was a rough one.
4: People couldn't wait to get by. I'll never forget. We're standing there at the press conference when he came in. And and people said, You know, Byron, out of all the teams we heard you were going to, why'd you pick Philadelphia? And he sat there dead faced and said, Because they paid me the most money. (laughs) And everybody went, Okay, all right, and he never came close to living up to expectations here. But when he got to training camp, everybody was salivating about having Byron Maxwell in the back end. Oh, here's another one. Twiz just put up. Oh my goodness, Kiko Alonzo. Oh my good
5: lord. Oh.
4: oh, I felt he was getting ripped so bad in Philly. I felt bad for the dude. I really did. Well, and he, he traded. Oh, that.
3: See, now that puts the quarter in the machine gunner because, <laughs> like. Deshaun Jackson, LaShawn McCoy, like NFL wide, I don't think were like generational talents. They both like I think Deshaun could have success anywhere because it's taking the top off the defense. Shady obviously flourished with Chip Kelly and all that stuff. But they were generational talents here in Philadelphia that were just gone. And in return, and Kiko Alonso ended up playing well for Miami a year or two later. But here in Philadelphia, you would have never thought. You would trade a marquee cornerstone offensive piece for a linebacker. And sure enough, Kiko Alonso was one of the guys that that that, that came in here. Deshaun was for nothing. Obviously, he was just cut um, for whatever reason and still waiting to hear exactly why. And LaShawn McCoy gone for Kiko
4: Alonso.
3: And Kiko got hurt, I think, didn't he? Sure yeah, he did. Did.
4: Sure yep. did. Yeah. And when you well, talk to him, I don't think he would, he would give you five-word answers. I don't know if he was definitely afraid of microphones. I don't know if he was afraid of saying the wrong thing and getting called up on the carpet. Kiko Alonzo never told you anything, and you sit there going, I just wasted five minutes standing here with a
5: microphone. Oh, you know, there's you know, there, there are some guys who just don't fit into the uh, – all. There's, there's some guys that just don't fit into the defense. They don't fit into the playbook. They don't fit into the city. They don't fit into their jeans. They don't fit into anything in, 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 in the city of Philadelphia. You know, they just – you know, there, there's some guys who just don't fit. And Kiko Alonso was just that. He just didn't fit. Mm
3: -hmm. No, I couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Uh, Coming up, I do want to get into uh, tomorrow night's game, what just the expectations are, what we expect to hear from the organization uh, when it comes to who's going to be on the field, how long they're going to play if we're going to see any of the starters or would-be starters out there again. So I want to get into that conversation ahead of the game uh, tomorrow night uh, at Lincoln Financial Field in South Philadelphia. So we'll get into all that more when we come back here on Sports Take. Mark Farzetta, Tone Shields, Derek Gunn, Rob Ellis is off today, uh, moving his daughter into college, moving on up, moving on up. We'll be back in a few here on Sports Take.
9: Greatest fans on Earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? Fifty-eight years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia
10: Eagles.
2: E A G L E S Eagles.
3: Do you guys take a glance at the comments during the show at all? Oh.
6: uh,
3: I mean I usually look
5: uh give a give a give a
3: give a look see see what everybody's up time. I see uh have
5: some fascinating characters uh in the live chat, I'll tell you that much. We have some really fascinating people.
4: Oh and, yeah. Uh,
5: I love all of them all the same. Good, bad, <laughs> or indifferent.
4: That is the best politically correct statement I've heard you say, Tone, and
5: since I've known you. Well, D <laughs> gun, if you didn't realize I'm I'm running for office. So. I, I, know, I, I can see that. <laughs> and here i was tone
3: thinking you were perfect and now i know that you have one blemish one blemish. <laughs> you, see,
4: christy, you see christy said we are part of the show farzi <laughs>
3: <laughs> no you're damn right you are i you know, i on my show i do a chat check all the time i see babs in here she's a regular on uh um on uh the fightings post game that i do here on the Jake media youtube channel babs nice to see you uh Jay, Steve, Chris, Paul Mancini, what's going on? Nice to see oh, everybody in okay here.
4: And talk, What's up? Yeah,
3: this is cool. No, this is great.
5: A lot of lot of good uh lot of good stuff in there. Uh, as it's per usual. Funnier, I, it was even funnier when they start going, you know, when they start uh feasting on themselves. You know what I mean? It's it's crazy. Sometimes, <laughs> you know, sometimes you drop blood in the water and, and the piranhas just start feasting on each other, not realizing there's nothing there.
3: <laughs> well, one mention of Chip Kelly and like Deshaun Jackson and the Sean McCoy, Kiko Alonso, and it's like Oh man! People say, you know, um, you know what is it? T- time heals all wounds. Not for us. No, not, no, not for the Philadelphia sports scene. We no, just the minute no. we say it again, it's like rage mode. Yeah. It's like we go full Hulk.
5: You would think a that. Super Bowl would heal all wounds, um, but a Super Bowl won't even will even allow you to forget what Chip Kelly did to, uh, to that team.
3: <laughs> uh, I, I know. I know. A couple of people have mentioned this um, in the chat, but Craig, I, I'm seeing you say it. JJ
5: Rega Whiteside with the with the capital
3: watching him at training camp was like all oh, the body positioning. This guy's incredible, it's amazing. I remember this is just giving I remember talking to JJR Tega Whiteside, and I remember talking to him about the combine. And he told me he had never been in an NFL stadium before. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh wow. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Wow. And then it turns out he had been in, like, 10 NFL stadiums where he had played college football games in NFL stadium. And I was like, what the hell was this guy telling me then? What, what most, is that about?
4: The most memorable thing he did in Philadelphia was have his mom hold an umbrella over oh. his training camp, and we're standing there going, what in the bleep is this? That's when uh. you
5: knew I was lost. That was, that <laughs> was, when, that was the moment you knew. It, 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 it wasn't the many drop passes. You know, it wasn't the fact that he couldn't get on the field. It was the fact that he had his mother holding up an umbrella in a practice full of grown men. And, a, and, a,
4: and, a, and, a, and a, on a grown man's playing surface, and and I and I would have been, Mom, you realize you just set me back 10 years. You know, I love you, Mom but you just set up my manhood back 10 years by mm-hmm. being out here. And we're standing, we're standing, interviewing him. And his mom's holding an umbrella over him. And I'm like, I thought she was, I didn't know it was his mom. I thought it was like personal. I said, this dude have not even made an NFL roster yet. He's got a personal <laughs> assistant. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it was the equivalent. You
3: know, it's like the, it's the, it's probably worse, actually. <laughs> Remember, did your mom ever like, see something on your face when you're a kid and, like, lick a napkin and then wipe your oh, face
6: off?
5: No, no, not a napkin. My mom went, ah! Ah! A- ah. Oh, my God, yes. Yes. Mom <laughs> hey,
4: can do whatever they want, man. You know, that's mom. She can do it. But when you get to a certain point in your life, when you're a grown man being paid as a professional athlete, mom, you got to know your boundaries. Come on, mom. <laughs> and I'm sure they have a great relationship, and I'm sure she still babies them. Let's face it. You know, being married and telling you don't have kids yet, but you'll understand this. It doesn't make a difference. How how old a son gets, a son will always be mama's baby.
5: Oh, trust me, I know my my wife I, gets to me all the time that my mom spoils my brother and uh, You know, my mom she, yeah. listen, it doesn't matter what time of day it is. If if, if we come and visit, she's like, You hungry? I'll make something, I'll cook, I'll cook a whole meal. I'm like, I'm like, mom. I'm not hungry. You're good. She said, like, "You want me to do this? Want me to do that?" I'm like, "Mom, I came to see you. I came to relax. You're all good, okay? I don't need you to do these." My my wife keep rips me a new one all the time. She she just sits back. She just sits back and she just laughs. Like, uh, Tone, what would you do without your mom and your dad, really? I'm like, you know what? I don't know, and I'm okay with that. You know, you, you know, you, you know what you should say, Tone. I mean, I'm not trying to start anything. You should say, "Well,
4: hon, you need to step up like mom then." <laughs>
5: <laughs> you try to get D Gun, D Gun. Listen, listen. You know I listen. You know I just moved to Texas, right? Yeah, yeah. And you know, and you know, I'm away from my family, right? So if anything happens to me out here, it's a lot of land where you can uh, scatter scatter my remains. So uh, I don't know if I'm gonna go that route, but I'll tell you. Hey, this. try stuff. that line and see
4: what happens.
5: Listen, I'll, listen, listen. I'll go your route, right? Just how you say, uh, moms, you know they can do whatever they want. Wives can say and do whatever they want as well. I'll tell you that.
3: Just, just be careful she doesn't come back from like Home Depot with a shovel at some point. Yeah, a yeah, lot yeah. of land, as yeah, you said, Cone. Yeah. And, and a bag of cement. Gulf <laughs> of Mexico is not too far away. Anyway, um, okay. so training camp. <laughs> uh, when it comes to um, uh, this game coming up uh, tomorrow, all right, uh, the guy that I really want to see tomorrow night is N'Kobe Dean. We haven't seen him yet. Came back from the ankle injury. Uh, Expedited the, the, the process when the Eagles made a couple other signings at the linebacker position, maybe helped a little competition there, but gunner tone. I'll ask you guys this. I want to see him. I think we have to see him at some point being that he is the signal color of your defense now. And he barely played any defensive snaps as we all know last season. So do you think we see him? Is he going to be healthy enough to play? Will they let him uh, out there on the field to hopefully turn some heads? Gunner, what say you about preseason game number two and Nicobe Dean? We going to see him. In the middle of that defense, what do you
4: think? Uh, th- this is a big learning curve for him. I do think we need to see him out there. But I will say, I, I said it last week, and I'll say it again. we he-, he started practicing late last week. But when you're talking about those high ankle sprains, you have to be extremely careful with those because those ain't no joke. You know, you re-injure that thing, instead of being out another week, you could be out a month or so, which could carry over into the regular season. Yes, I want to see him in the middle of that defense. I want to see him flying around. I want to see his lateral pursuit. I want to see him blowing through the line of scrimmage, making tackles behind the line of scrimmage. How much do I want to see him? I don't want to see. I I don't need to see a whole lot of him. You know, does he need those game reps? Yes, indeed. But I want to make sure that he's right and good to go when we need him the most. Because I don't want them to have to scramble and and revamp that the inside linebacking position um you know we saw miles jack getting some run there we saw Cunningham out in the field as well um and i'm sure they're capable but this young man is supposed to be the heir apparent to tj edwards in the middle i need to see a, sa- a small sample size of him and again you know how i feel about preseason games and training camp i am not forming a definitive decision on him i just need to see something from him
5: yeah i i agree with you unequivocally uh uh d gun it's I don't know, man. This this situation with Nicobe Dean just coming in and just giving him the green dot. I'm not doubting his ability by any stretch of the imagination, but this is a tough situation the Philadelphia Eagles are putting him in. You know, he only started for 34 snaps on for, you know for the Eagles' defense last year. Yeah, that's that, 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 that's that's not even 10 percent of the snaps. So so when you think about it from that perspective. He's he, he's he's going to be treading in some pretty dangerous waters here, and it's going to be it, it's literally sink or swim for him. You know, I was of the mindset that you find a way to bring T.J. Edwards back, and then you phase into Kobe Dean as the off-ball linebacker. That was my that was my perfect game plan for that linebacker position. You bring back T.J. Edwards on a two three year deal. You know, you give him you know a, 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 a fairly respectable contract. Like when you think about what. They Allowed TJ Edwards to walk for six six million, I don't want to say measly, million dollars, is a lot of money, <laughs> but six million dollars, six six and a half million dollars a year that he got from Chicago. And you know, I was I was speaking to John McMullen about it, and he said the Eagles didn't offer him anything. No. Not even they didn't even negotiate with him, so they already had that set in their mind that Nicoba Dean was going to take over this role. And I I just don't know how I feel about that. Knowing that he's hurt already, knowing the physical toll that playing that position can put on the body, you know, TJ Edwards accounted for a lot of, TJ Edwards was ranked in the top five, number three to be exact, I believe in defensive snaps for the Eagles. He accounted for 94% of the defensive snaps. You have to replace that. And with the Dean being hurt already, that makes me extremely nervous and then on top of that, you have a new defensive coordinator. So there's a lot of there's a lot of turnover on this defense. Then you're expecting the Kobe Dean to kind of just come in and just right the ship, and you know, at that linebacker position, this is not going to be a, this, this is not going to be as smooth of a transition as people would like it to be. Do I think the Kobe Dean has talent and that he has the mental fortitude and uh, the talent, uh, uh, the skill set to be able to uh, be successful? Sure. But he has to be able to learn on the go, and this is a Super Bowl caliber team. This is the team that's trying to win it all, right? Is this the best situation for him, given the circumstances of where this team is? I don't know. If this team was rebuilding, or if this team was um, still, and maybe I wouldn't mind him being the, the you know the starting middle, middle linebacker. But this is a team that's ready made and ready to go, so it's a lot of pressure on the Kobe Dean and I don't want this to come off as if I'm doubting him. I'm just acknowledging the simple reality that he is being placed under a lot of pressure for a young player who has started no real reps at all. And on top of that, he hasn't had any live game reps to this day uh, in the 2023 offseason and preseason. We haven't seen him yet. So I need to see something just like D guns. I need to see him at least for a drive. I need to see him, you know, maneuvering out there directly. I need to see him do something. That's all. That's all. That's all I'm asking for. It's Something. I, I need to have some level of confidence, right? Like I, I'm not doubting his skill, but I need. I need to see why the Philadelphia Eagles are, are so confident. I need to see why they're confident. That's all.
3: Yeah, I have him. I feel like I'm pretty optimistic on the Kobe Dean, but I I still need to see him on the football field. Like I have a very right. simple. I don't have him on the same note as like a Jalen Carter or a Nolan Smith, where I went in expecting them to flourish in limited time out there. I have him on the same level as another third-round pick. I have him on the same level as Sidney Brown. When I watched preseason game number one, I was like, all right, Sidney Brown, show me something. I, I was just looking for Jalen Carter to, to prove to me that he could be dominant, and he had one play where he was absolutely dominant, and I'm like, that's all I need. Uh, Nolan Smith obviously got in the backfield, and he had a hurry up. He had a quarterback hit. Uh, you obviously saw his speed throughout uh, the limited time that he was out there. I saw that. I was expecting it good. My expectations for Nicole Dean, I want to see him go out there and just show that he – belongs show me that he can have the green dot show me that he can orchestrate the defense show me he can take the plays in relay it to the rest of the team run a clean game defensively show me a little bit of the instinct show me a little bit of the speed let me see in the backfield maybe maybe one aggressive play just just show me that put my nerves at ease that you got this because i didn't know Sidney brown officially got this until he was out there running around i have the same type of expectation uh when it comes to nicobe dean I think he's going to have success. I think he's going to be very good. If I'm buying stock, I'm buying stock into Kobe Dean. But I still need to see it. Uh, I want to see that stock rise after a preseason game, after a series or two on Thursday night. Now, the, the bottom line is, look, he's practicing. He's not a limited participant. He's out there practicing. And the practices are now, as we all have learned, more important than games. But I still would like to see him in a game. I'd like to see him as the middle linebacker of the Philadelphia Eagles, for a couple series at least, just to see how he runs everything. Now, bottom line, if you had to say whether or not he plays, Gunner, will ask you first, does Nicobe Dean play on Thursday night?
4: I think he, if he's deemed healthy enough, he will play a little bit, not much. But you know what the opposite of that is? If he gets out there and re-injures that high ankle sprain, what are we all going to be saying? I can't believe Sirianni and Gianni nah. <laughs> put him out there. What were they thinking? Why did they put him out there? Now he's mm-hmm. going to be out for an extended period of time. So it's like, damned if you do, damned if you don't, you know? I mean, but but that's that goes with the territory. I don't want him out there for a long period of time. I just want to see yeah. him work with a little sweat. That's all. That's
6: I'll it. Want to see.
4: Break a sweat. Yeah, that's that, – that. how much playing time? Well, I got beads
3: of sweat. All right, you're out. Uh, Tone, where are you at? Do you want to see Nicobe Dean on Thursday night?
5: I want to see him. But if I'm being honest with myself, I don't think we will. Uh, I don't think – you know, let's really take into account how the Philadelphia Eagles you know, do business when it comes to – how they preserve their front-line guys. They've, they've already made up in their mind that Kobe Dean is the starting middle linebacker. They've made that up in their mind without seeing him take any real live game reps except for last, last year when he had 34 snaps. Most of those snaps came in that Tennessee Titans game. Um, but they've already made up in their mind. Uh, them allowing TJ Edwards to walk for so little money by NFL standards showed me that they've already made up in their mind that he's going to be their starting linebacker regardless of what's going on. So um, Well, actually, um, look at the last to... two
3: linebackers. Look at the last two linebackers, real quick, Tone, that, that left Philadelphia. Alex Singleton and TJ Edwards. They, both, they signed almost identical contracts. Singleton with the Broncos and uh, Edwards yep. with the Bears. The Eagles, and look, not that they should have, but I'm just saying more so they should have for TJ Edwards than Alex Singleton. But both those guys, uh, two other teams around the NFL went, oh, we have something here. Where the Eagles were like, no, we're good. We're gonna roll the dice with Kobe Dean, see what we have there. You know, we already invested a third round pick on him. Now we don't have to pay him, uh, as much as we have to pay anybody to stick around. So to your point, yeah, and, they don't they
4: don't yeah. they don't see a big price point there. Me, and, let, and and that's let me ask you guys And, this. and that's in that you go when, when was the last time they invested heavily in a linebacker? Exactly.
5: Yeah, but but, uh, but here's like, the problem, right? Kiko Alonso. That but, but here's but I, I think that's my problem. And, and and I've talked to John about this a lot on football 24 7. You know, he's under the impression that yeah, a lot of teams don't really value putting too much money into the linebacker position. But he says he thinks the Eagles are taking it too far, and I would have to agree with him, right? It's not like they're investing 10 15 million in a linebacker. There are linebackers that are making a lot of money out here. You know, you saw what you saw what the Bears have done. The, the Bears have literally dedicated over $100 dollars at, at just a linebacker position that's yeah. asinine in today's NFL. But to six, $6 million for a player, $6 million for a running back is, I guess, a lot depending on your situation. But I'm looking at it from the perspective of the overall allocation of cap. And looking at what TJ Edwards got from the Bears, I think he got, like, a three-year deal, $6 million, $6. Mm-hmm. Six and a, half million a year, something like that, which, which would probably top out of, like, $19 million total, um, but all the entire can the entire contract isn't even guaranteed. I think only maybe the first year and a half is about guaranteed if that so they've just taken it a bit too far. Like you said, Farzi, they singleton and, and Edwards kind of got similar contracts uh from the Broncos and the Bears res, uh, respectively. So when you think about that, is is, is is that their cutoff point? Like the Eagles aren't even willing to spend five million dollars on a linebacker. A season, you know, you can't just keep shuffling that position, in my humble opinion. You gotta have some thread of continuity there. And TJ Edwards being an undrafted guy, you had him right where you wanted him. He was never gonna, he was never gonna cost you a lot of money at any point in his career. You had him right where you wanted him from a price point standpoint. And they just felt like, you know what? We're gonna just continue to recycle that position over and over. One of my fears is that Reed Blinkenship. He plays safety, another position that they don't value highly anymore. My biggest fear is Ray Blankenship has fair success in his team, and they eventually let him walk. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, it's it's, it's just – I just have a hard time believing in – the that the, I have a hard time believing in their philosophy that you don't have to dedicate any kind of money there. They've they, they just taken it a bit too far. Yeah. And, you know, N'Kobe Ding, he won't be exempt from that. I'm telling you that right now. You know, now granted, they drafted him and the Eagles treat players they draft a little differently than everybody else. So, you know, we're going to see how this thing pans out. But if the Dean is just average, you know, don't think he don't think he's going to retire here because the Eagles already made it clear to you that linebackers are not really a part of their long term future.
3: Yeah, The Eagles pay guys that play with their hand in the dirt and quarterbacks and that's just about it maybe every once in a while blue moon wide receiver but that's that's pretty much it um but as far as the eagles go and the idea of the linebacker right now being a third round pick uh i understand davion teller no longer here obviously he was a higher pick than what we're used to seeing but again not just to go to the contracts of their last two somewhat consistent middle linebackers but yes not only tj edwards but also alex singleton they were both undrafted guys if you're the eagles you're looking at this uh, in the, for the upcoming season, assuming it is N'Kobe Dean as your middle linebacker. Oh, look, we've invested a third round pick. That's our starting middle linebacker now. We have upgraded from a guy, from guys that weren't even drafted, guys we took flyers on, guys that had a cup of coffee in the uh, Canadian Football League, and Alex Singleton, guys that uh, you know showed some promise in college, like T.J. Edwards, and we're going to take a flyer on undrafted guys. Here they drafted a guy that a lot of people consider to be a steal in that draft. The the Eagles thought they were getting a steal in that draft by taking a guy that a lot of people thought would be at worst a second round pick in the Kobe Dean. And they got him in the third round and they expect him, at least right now, for all intents and purposes, to be their starting middle linebacker for, by Eagles definition, the foreseeable future. That's probably two years when you talk about the life expectancy of an Eagles linebacker. But from their perspective, they're saying that this is a third-round pick they're expecting to get years of work from at that position. It's not money, at least not yet. But when it comes to everything else, they've already invested a high draft pick in the position. They haven't done that with you know, guys over the last two years.
4: Well, it was a third-round pick that was projected to go in the first round by many of the so-called draft experts. Yeah. And people were shocked that he was still on, the, on on the board in the third round, wondering if their shoulder was the problem. See – you know, some players get these monikers attached to their names and all of a sudden their draft statics status stuck. I can bet money that when they got him, they were shocked to get him. The wheels were already spinning. We don't have to pay. One thing I, I, I said this yesterday to Tone, Howie has this great insight in terms of as we sit here now, they're already blocking out 2024. They already know who the potential free agents are. They already know who they may try to get back here and who they're not going to get back. I think it was before the season started last year, they realized that we're not gonna be we're not offering TJ Edwards that kind of money. Not even knowing what the market was gonna get him. Because what TJ got was not breaking the bank for linebackers. When you think about money that guys like Roquan Smith and stuff like that got to play in the linebacking position, TJ Edwards wasn't gonna get that money. But yet they felt, we got N'Kobe Dean. We don't need to pay a linebacker. We got another rookie salary, and we can free up money to do some other things, i.e., Miles Jack, Zach Cunningham, and who knows who else they're going to try to bring in here once they identify if there's another weakness on this team or if a prominent player goes down and they have to fill a gap in a hurry. This is all strategy on Howie's part. you know. So they, they don't put a lot of money into the linebacking position, and they just hope that whoever they have in here emerges as somebody who can stabilize the position. Mm -hmm. And T.J. TJ Edwards exceeded that. You look at where he went from one year to the next, and everybody's like, we got to bring T.J. back. Yeah, how is like, yeah, no, pump the brakes on that. We're not paying that kind of money. Let's see if this kid from Georgia can do what he did in college. Let's see if we can coach him up, you know, slowly bring him along. We don't have to throw him to the fire. Slowly bring him along and see if we can get him up to what we need for that position. And we're going to find out. We're going to find out real soon. And and by real soon, I mean – Hey, the regular season is less than a month away. Think about that. So,
5: yeah, it. really qu- really quickly. TJ Edwards' contract, uh, his average salary is six and a half million. It's ranked 40th amongst active linebackers. That includes inside and outside linebackers. You And you know some outside linebackers are considered edge rushers. So just just out of line guys that are designated designated as a linebacker. TJ mm. Edwards' contract is ranked 40th. At six and a half million 40th. Just want to put that in perspective for you, Eagles fans. And you're um, telling me he but... couldn't afford that.
4: How he couldn't afford it. Yeah, of course he could. They're not doing it. He wasn't doing it. He wasn't ever doing it. Yeah.
3: Uh, how he could get 15 running backs for that one price. So, yeah, he wasn't gonna spend that coming on a, a linebacker there. He wasn't gonna spend that keeping a linebacker in Philadelphia, especially Gunner. To your point, they already have Nacobe Dean. They, they in their mind, like you said, rookie contract, they'll be good to go. For at least a couple of years here with N'Kobe Dean. Yeah. But now just to put a ball on the Nicobe Dean conversation for a second here. You look at this defense. I I just you could say it's rose colored glasses, you could say it's being a homer, but I just I am so excited about this defensive line. And look, whoever your linebacker is gonna be, I feel like you can almost talk about it with a like you would a running back. Like whoever's running behind this offensive line. Is going to have success. Whoever's going to be playing defense behind this defensive line, I think is going to have success. There's going to be a little bit of a learning curve there, a little bit of leeway, being that the guys in, in front of you are so talented. When you talk about Nolan Smith coming off the edge, you talk about Josh Sweat, you talk about Brandon Graham, you obviously have uh, Hassan Reddick already, but Jordan Davis, Fletcher Cox, you, Jalen you know Carter. I mean, you all, Derek Barnett. You left out Derek Barnett. Oh. How did that happen? <laughs> oh, wait, that was intentional. Anyway, so, but no, I just, I feel like your linebacker is going to have time to grow. I think Nicobe Dean, if he needs it, doesn't have time to grow because there's a lot of talent around him. And your secondary, by the way, let's not forget about that. I've said this before. You got uh, corners that can play to the cows, come home and your three regular guys, including your nickel and Avante Maddox. Then you have younger guys that are looking to continue to prove themselves at the NFL level. And I think a secondary that is going to be pretty damn special this year. So, Your middle linebacker, I think the Eagles right now, whenever they look at that position, they ultimately devalued it. Tone, the perfect example, when you talk about the 40th 40th highest paid, that's ridiculous. But you can afford that right now with the defense that's going to be around that middle linebacker. So I think there's leeway there, Gunner, when it comes to that position for the Philadelphia Eagles in the upcoming
4: season. Howie has to keep some money free just in case he has to make another move, which I fully expect to see another move somewhere early in this season. You know, We don't know what that's going to be. Early in the season, not preseason. I appreciate. I don't see. I don't see it being like another splash, like bringing Andamakan Sue in here. Okay, but they very well could bring somebody in here who's been around the block a few times that they identify is is already a proven player that can come in and help this team. You know, Andamakan Sue and Linville Joseph helped this team. Robert Quinn did not. It's hit or miss. You know, when you think about it, and so th- that's why at this stage you have to let it settle in. We have to see what we have. We have don't don't jump the gun and bring in somebody who could kind of negate development time of some young players. Let these young guys go. Let's see what we have before we sit down. And on top of that, when the cuts come down in early September, let's who see let's see who clears wi- the waiver wires. Let's see who other teams are cutting before we make a definitive decision to see if we need to add that kind of individual to what we already have.
5: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's so interesting because as far as, you know, you mentioned how excited you are, you know, for this, you know, for this defensive line and, you know, this defense, you know, it's, you know, it's it's so many things that we don't know about it. And I think and I think that's where the excitement stems from. It's like I like to compare it to like a Christmas list or like Christmas Day. Right. You know, when you're a child, you you form your Christmas list, you know, all the things you want. Right. You write it down and, you know, you want that new Tonka truck. You know, you want that new uh, you want that Nintendo Switch. You know what I mean? You want you want the Kobe Dean to be an all pro linebacker. You want Nolan Smith to have 10 sacks. You want Jalen Carter to, you know, to be defensive rookie of the year. You know, you want you want Sidney Brown to, you know, to lead the league and force fumbles. You have this list that you want and then you submit it to your parent. You submit it to old St. Nick and then you're sitting there waiting and that anticipation is building. You're just hoping that everything you ask for comes to fruition. That's what this season is right now when it comes to that defense. We have so many things that we're asking for to happen. And the rude awakening is when you're a kid, you don't always get everything you ask for on Christmas. Sometimes you get the cheap man version of the iPod Nano. Maybe your mom got you an MP3 player instead of an iPod touch. <laughs> so I'll put it to you this way, man. There, there, we're going. To, some questions are going to be answered this season. Some questions won't be answered. Actually, some questions may lead to more questions. So we're not going to be able to check every box this year with this defense, but all I ask for at the very least with this defense, right? Obviously we want the rookies to do well. We want to know we made a good decision with Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith and the city Brown guys like that. All I want really from this defense this season, I don't need them to be ranked top five. I don't need them to be ranked top seven or top three. What I want from this defense, I want timely stops in key moments. I don't need them to lead the league in uh, opponent points per game. You know what I mean? Like I, I want them to be able to have an I want situational football to be at an all time high. That's that's what I want more than anything else. Can they make the stop that's necessary for the offense to sustain a victory or at least seek out the victory? Right. Can this can this defense limit the damage enough to the point where if Jalen Hurts gets this team a lead, can this defense get a key stop at a key moment? If Jalen Hurts needs a stop so he can take that team down the field to get a game winning field goal, can this defense get that stop to give Jalen Hurts and that offense enough time? That's what I'm asking for. Forget the stats. Forget the numbers. I'm asking for effective, timely situational football. That's, what saw, that's all I want from this defense.
4: So you want a defense that gets the ball back in the offense's hands consistently? No, no the no. offense has
5: a capability of being so explosive? No, not necessarily that. Because I, I, I believe this offense is going to carry this defense more than anything. It is. But all I'm asking for is, because I feel like it's hard to have a shutdown defense in, in today's NFL. The rules don't. The rules don't apply to that. But if this defense can just get timely stops, right? Just timely. You know, you, you you can't stop everything. The defense, the, the opposing offense is going to score on his defense. They will. But if you can get that stop in the third quarter, if you can get that stop in the fourth quarter, you know what I mean? That just gives your offense because you can't you can't you can't outscore everybody every damn game. You just can't. So, can you get that timely stop? You know, can you you know can you get that timely defec- uh, deflection, that timely third down stop? You know, just to give your offense a chance. That's all I'm asking for. I'm not asking for the world of this defense. I just want timely football. That's all.
3: You want go an back. adjustment in the second half of the Super Bowl. That's what you want. Uh, <laughs> uh, you uh. Want, you want Most notably, an adjustment that forces that <laughs> fumble to give the ball back to this back to the offense. I know go. what you're saying. Coming back. Coming back. Did, I, uh, did I make it too <laughs> obvious? A little bit. By the way, speaking of that um, defensive coordinator, a lot of people have compared Sean Desai to Jonathan Gannon and saying you're going to get Jonathan Gannon's defense, but there's going to be just a different name penciled in with defensive coordinator next to it. In the early is of camp, not so fast on that. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say it. Lazy narrative. We're going to talk about what Sean Desai is doing different because it's mm. uh, rather odd. We're going to get into that. And also, I'll say goodbye because my last segment's going to be coming up here. Uh, it'll be uh, Tone and uh, Gunner, of course, to uh, round out the show. My name is Mark Farzad. I'm in for Rob Ellis. That's Tone DeShields. To That's Derek i We'll be back with Sports taking a few to talk about what Sean Desai is doing differently with this defense.
2: G-L-E-X Eagles.
3: Last segment for me, boys. I'll be with you guys for another 26 minutes or so. It's been an absolute blast. Gunner, I know I'll be back with you tomorrow. I look forward to uh that fun-filled experience. Tell oh, him maybe, maybe, it's always great. Maybe, catching maybe up. I'll be here. Maybe I won't. I don't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> like we'll <laughs> do with the pre-show. We'll do the pre-show meeting, and then Tony will be like, uh, "Gunner's not showing up. He can't stand you." I'm like, "All right, well, that's that. I guess he had
4: something to put on the smoker. I guess." Um, that's Tony. Uh, yeah. Hey, speak, hey, speak, speaking of smokers, right? I got to tell you the story real quick. So, okay. I, I've, I've told the story a number of times. So Father's Day last year, my wife buys me this beautiful Traeger smoker. Right? I never even opened the, the smoker; it has been sitting out there covered sent, until this summer. So she has been threatening to give it away. You know, she's even asked one of my son-in-laws, if you want to just take it, I told him I said, if you do, your children may not have a father. So you know, don't, don't touch my smoker. So yesterday she said, you know, we've had an incredible, with all this rain we've had this summer, had an incredible harvest of like cherry tomatoes, tomatoes, jalapeno peppers, stuff like this. So she said, Why don't you fire up the Traeger? And, and 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 smoke the peppers for me so she can make salsas and different things, Pico the guy and stuff like that. I said that's a good idea. I I'd get it off my back for at least one day, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. out there I smoked I smoked like 50 jalapenos and like 30 tomatoes and my wife was in the kitchen all night making salsa so that we froze. We got some frozen so we always have something. I was real happy that I actually used the Traeger yesterday. I'm like I gotta use this thing more often, but when your options are your charcoal grill, and a big green egg, it's like sometimes it just takes a little longer to get to the tray. <laughs> so, but I've got so many friends that have these pellet grills. I said I got to I got to use this thing. So, yeah, it's, use use pellets instead of using like lump coal. Or you pour pellets into this container, and yeah, the pellets cool. to heat up, and they generate the smoke. The difference is they don't generate the type of smoke that a, a green egg smoker does but you can, you can tell, you, you you can taste the smoke flavor in different things. So Okay. So Mark that's your next purchase. You need to get you a Traeger pellet grill, a pellet smoker. I I work on a
3: stove, Gunner. I I leave the grill. I I'll grill hot dogs, hamburgers, brats. I'll grill the the normal stuff. I rack a ribs, right? I'll grill that. That's about as exotic as I go, a rack of ribs. I work in a kitchen on a stove with pots and pans. I, I am not a grill master. I am nothing like you in that regard, my friend.
4: Yeah, yeah but you don't have to be. You don't have to be a grill master. Mm. Just not, because um, grilling is basically like cooking is trial and error. Mm-hmm. You know, it is. I mean, sometimes I you, over, you, you overcook something. Sometimes you might over-season something. Sometimes it's under something. You know, I mean, it's, it's trial and error, but you get to a point where you level it out. Like, I'm sure you take pride in your Italian cooking on a stove, right?
3: Mm, yes, very much so.
4: You, hey, 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 Tone, did you see the smirk on his face when I said that? I,
5: that's that's was
4: devilish. You went like this, he goes, mm, yeah, maybe.
5: <laughs> well, I'll say so myself, Deacon, yeah. yeah. I mean, I know my way around the stove.
4: Yes, absolutely. Okay, so, But when you cook, it's trial and error, right? Sometimes mm. you like to try different things. You know, somebody might tell, hey, add this ingredient to your pasta, stuff like that. I mean, you know, sometimes, and when you do it, some things you like, some things you don't, you know, like sometimes my wife and I, we disagree. I like certain things seasoned a certain way. She likes it differently. It's okay. You're comparing notes. You're going back and forth. So it's the same thing with grilling. Yeah. The the only thing you said that was wrong was you said trial
3: and, you said trial and error yeah i'm not i'm unfamiliar with the error part it's just it's a raving success whenever i'm in the kitchen all right
4: all right we've just seen the cocky okay all right you know i'm kidding
3: come on be humble in all you do (laughs) no i i i I, it is something that i absolutely have to learn i do want to ask one question though to tone and tone alone tone have you ever said the phrase we had a magnet well we had an incredible harvest in the way Gunner just said that? Because I have never said that.
5: It's so funny you said it. The moment he said it, I was thinking to myself, wow, that the, the way that rolled off the tongue for D-Gun, that was that, that, that was pretty sweet. You know, We I had did... an
3: incredible harvest before the winter.
4: Well, look, no. Right.
5: I, I an an because... incredible harvest, sire. <laughs> Here,
4: here's, here's why I say Okay, you know what? All right, you too. Here's why I said it. First of all. The, the buffalo are grazing, sire. <laughs> <laughs> but here's why I said it. Because last year, i only i only plant every year i plant four jalapeno plants right in, in in this in this garden bed we have so last year we got a great harvest of jalapenos to the point i got like 10 20 bags of, of jalapeno peppers in the freezer but they weren't hot like i like them you know they were a mild version of them but this year i added a little bit different soil to kind of different soil the peppers are hot man to the point where you cut them in you can smell the heat that's you know, so it's a different so that's oh, why God. I still have and the tomatoes, you know. Normally if you don't if you don't spray tomatoes stuff like that, you get bugs that start chewing them up and stuff like that. With all this rain we have this summer, I never sprayed tomatoes once. They're perfect. Everything, and my wife even said she cut them up yesterday she goes, these tomatoes are really good. So that's why I said it has been an incredible harvest because
5: every year's different. <laughs> I ain't, listen, listen, I ain't I ain't mad at you, Gunner. I'm not mad. I'm, you know, me, me and the wife, we're trying to um We want to start, you know, growing our own herbs and spices and you know peppers. You said growing your own herbs, what? (laughs) (laughs) We're gonna start growing our own acapulco gold and hey, 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 D Gun, D Gun, don't get me in trouble, okay? We all, we, we, we 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 all we all we all walk different lives, okay. (laughs)
4: We're gonna start growing some herbs down here, herbs, <laughs> herbs,
5: spices, you know, yeah. some peppers, you know what I mean, tomatoes, tomatoes. Listen, you know, oh my goodness, man! Yeah, That's I don't think good. you're
3: talking about basil, but uh, yeah, so uh,
5: <laughs>
4: I will say oh, this right. I'm talking I, about I parsley, I'm talking about I
5: parsley and oregano,
4: you guys, oh, we, got, oh, we we grow basil here, oh, yeah, um, uh, cilantro, um, what else do we have? Uh, mint. I'll Tell you what, though, unless you just love mint, you got to control <laughs> mint because, <laughs> yeah, this is true. No, you're right, Gunner. I know it's what you're about up. to say. Yeah, we planted mint plants, right? Yeah, and somehow a couple of years ago, it's like I don't know if the wind blew them or what, but you know, but they got out of the pots, they just took over this one whole stretch, man. Just choked out all the cilantro and everything, and they're growing like wildfire. I had to kill it out, I had to kill it all together, man. It was like mint. Every you walk out the back door, ah yeah of little mint you know it's like this is too much we didn't even use half of it
3: yeah gunner in my landscaping days i yeah. mowed this one lawn for this old lady uh and she loved mint and she would sit there actually now that i look back on it it's kind of creepy she yeah. would sit there on the porch watch me mow her lawn and just sip mint iced tea all of the way she had all this mint on her deck that she would harvest and she yeah. put it in her iced tea I swear to you, I'm not kidding. She would give me, she would say, would you like a glass of mint iced tea? And I'm like, sure, when I'm done. And I'd have it. And I swear the mint was so concentrated. It would like, I felt like I was going to pass out. And whenever I cut the grass by the mint patch, yeah. It was it smelled like somebody just drunk, uh, dropped breath mints all over the place. Uh, it I don't, smells I don't, I don't good. Know Oh yeah, the, yeah, yeah.
5: I don't know farz I think she was trying to reel you in a little bit. Uh-oh. I mean, I, would, Uh-oh. I all, <laughs> next thing
3: I know I'd be waking up in a bedroom but like where am I? No. All right, anyway. Uh, but uh, <laughs> uh
5: Farz wakes up at his own house. Why do I don't uh, smell like mint. <laughs> what,
3: where have you been? Have you been to the dentist? You smell like you've been oh to the dentist. Anyway, I oh, said man. we were going to talk about something, whatever the hell that was. I don't even remember now. Oh, but
5: uh... <laughs> I- I'm having fun with you guys. Listen, as Farz, as wherever you take this, I'm having fun, man. The ride no. has been tremendous. I
3: uh, know. It's been a blast. Um, in all honesty, though, what I was going to ask was we co- – well, we constantly hear – to set it up. We've constantly heard about these – It's going to be the same type of defense. This is the defense the Eagles want to run with Nick Sirianni. This is what Nick Sirianni likes to see in his defense. Exactly what Jonathan Gannon did. Big fan of the Vic Fangio defense and the style there, all that stuff. Um, But Sean Desai is doing something already that's very different. James Bradbury is lining up. Just to test it out, test the waters a little bit, he's lining up as the nickel. He's lining up in the slot. You'll see uh, Jordan Davis lining up as a defensive end he is doing this with different positions throughout practice. Uh, Reed Blankenship coming down to play more of a linebacker role, which is more of the position they would use for Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, more of a position they would use for Sidney Brown, but they're doing with Reed Blankenship. They're, they're maneuvering guys around. Gunner, is this something that is just going to get their feet wet at different positions for the wears and tears and rigors and ebbs and flows of a defense? Or is this something that he's going to be planning to actually implement to make sure these guys are used to these positions during the season, regardless of who is uh, falling as the season goes on.
4: If they're practicing it, I got a feeling it's going to be used, i.e. Malcolm Jenkins. That was primarily what Malcolm Jenkins did. He'd come down and play in the box. He'd step back, you know, and I can see James Bradbury doing some of that. Nothing wrong with that. You got to give these. I'm telling you, man, when you look at the collection of teams they are playing this year, you cannot be predictable against the likes of some of these quarterbacks they're going to play. You better come up with some kind of variations to catch them off guard, especially at strategic moments. I think that's a great idea. That sounds like Matt Patricia written all over it. wow. Oh. Say, take, take Bradbury, put him down in the box, you know, let him attack, let him line up over the tight end. We can free up Avante Maddox. If they go four wide, we can free up Avante Maddox to step back and play more coverage because Avante is a good cover guy, also. Oh, yeah, I like that idea. I have, yeah, I can't wait to see it. You you might not see it until the regular season because you know teams like to hide as much as they can. But I I can't wait to see it out of this out there.
3: Well, what about Jordan Davis as a defensive end? Like he started the preseason
4: game as a D end. Yes, you know if, I, if they fig, if they figure he has some some type of value to play. I mean, obviously you're not playing Jordan David at, at Davis at D end a whole game. But if he has some value out there, if there's a mismatch, they can win. You know, why not put him out there? Don't be predictable. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. the man the man's six six. He's big as a refrigerator, but he can run like a four five forty. What well, that means? That tells me he's got some burst, and he can come mm-hmm. off the edge. Let's see it. Let's
3: do Tone, it. Tone. I'm all for um, diversity in the game plan and and versatility amongst the players. I'll say it first off, I, I anything that's fresh and new, like I want to, I want to try it in this defense. It shows me that they are going to be a little bit different than Jonathan Gannon and the narrative that's come along of. Uh, Nick Sirianni provides the blueprint of what he wants his defense to fit into, and then the defensive coordinator has say over it after that. If you're already showing me different looks like that, then that shows me you're going to be doing things a little bit different than Jonathan Gannon, which, of course, as it makes most Eagles fans, myself included, it makes me happy.
5: It is exciting, for sure. It's exciting. Um, I also think uh, the purpose of this is, you know, you want to always – play tricks on the quarterback's eyes, right? You want to make him think one position or one guy who's typically supposed to be over here. Okay. He's over here. Now, now the quarterback is a little flustered or confused and that can kind of manipulate uh, his pre-snap reads and that can then translate to his post-snap reads, right? Because, you know, you know, he'll see one thing. and All of a sudden the ball snaps and all of a sudden the guy that was over here is now he's over there and the guy is over there and now he's over here. And, uh, you know, I, I definitely respect uh, the attempts at creativity and I, I, I'm, I'm always, I'm, I'm always a proponent of creativity and uh, ingenuity, right? My only concern would be is through this creativity, now now you you may begin to take away from what a guy does really well, and now a guy's value can be somewhat uh, influenced because of you trying to be too creative. For example, a guy like Nolan Smith, right? I understand in Georgia they had him doing a, a bunch of different things, but that kid is a pass rusher. He's a pass rusher, flat out, through and through. So, I don't want to see a guy like Nolan Smith or Hassan Redick drop back in coverage too often. I understand you have to throw curveballs. You know, at some point, they're going to have to drop back at some point. But when it comes to primarily what they're going to do with what, what I want to see, I want to see Nolan Smith rushing the quarterback, right? I want to see Jalen Carter collapsing uh, the, uh, the middle of the pocket because quarterbacks above all else, more than anything, they hate when. The guards, the guards in the center, give it up more than the tackles because at the very least they can step up in that pocket. If you collapse the middle of that pocket with a guy like Jen Carter, Fletcher Cox, or Jordan Davis, so on and so forth, quarterbacks hate that the most. So again, I'm all for creativity. You know, I, I'm even, I'm even thrilled with you know the fact that we're seeing some big nickel packages. Right, uh, you sacrifice a little bit in the run, but um, overall, I'm, I'm always going to be. On the side of creativity, as long as you're not sacrificing what guys ultimately do well.
4: Creativity is fine as long as you
5: don't sacrifice productivity. Exactly. Perfect. Perfect. Well put, Gunner. Well put. Yeah, yeah I, as long as it's different, I'm, I'm in. As
4: it, Long as it doesn't look like a Jonathan Gannon defense, you're happy. Okay. You well, mean, but you when, the when the narrative when the narrative comes out that. When the narrative comes out that it's,
3: oh, it's just going to be Jonathan Gannon, but a different name. Well, if it's a different name, then obviously it's a different person and a different person is going to have their own fingerprints on it. And if creativity is part of that, I'm all for it because then I think it leans, it it leads me to believe that you're not going to be afraid to make adjustments because you've already been creative. You already thought things out. You've already tested guys at different positions. So you're not afraid to unleash that at any given time. We were trying to catch an offense off guard, which... I right away jump to the second half of the Super Bowl like most Eagles fans do when you're waiting for something to change up a little bit. That leads me to believe that your defensive coordinator is going to be maybe a little bit better at thinking on the fly because he knows what his defense could do in various situations as opposed to like two situations. So I think that that gives me a little bit more confidence in Sean Desai and how his defense is going to start out versus Jonathan Gannon.
4: Okay. All right. All right.
5: No, I I, 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 I see where you're going. You know, ultimately, Jonathan Gannon's defense, you know, well, let's just focus on him. He really wasn't a guy that could, by my estimation, um, think on the fly. You know, he had his philosophies, had his principles, had his scheme, and that was pretty much what it was going to be. Um, I think from a coaching standpoint, the Eagles have lacked um, that ability to make adjustments you know over the past few years yes they've had success yes they were in the super bowl but i think on both sides of the ball at times um the coaching staff lacked creativity in key moments you know i think i think what stood out about doug in that super bowl versus nick sirianni doug understood the assignment in terms of this isn't a this, 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 yes, I have things that, yeah, yes, we have things that we, you know, that we study, that we do, so on and so forth. We have our way of doing things, but this is one of those games where you have to leave it all out there. You can't leave any stone unturned, and you can't be passive in your decision making, especially situationally. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what happened in the Super Bowl with Nick Sirianni and his regime. They grew passive and they start and they kind of fell back on their priors, they kind of fell back on kind of what got them there and actually I take that back I felt like Nick Sirianni became more passive when in reality he wasn't passive all year so you know there's nothing wrong there's nothing wrong with you know relying on you know just you know your standard but also depending on the situation sometimes you gotta sometimes you gotta get a little you gotta get a little freaky you know shout out right. to uh Mar- you know you know shout out to Mariucci and Jalen Hurts in that interview sometimes you gotta get a little freaky and um, I felt like uh, Nick Sirianni Gannon those guys, they lacked that freak tendency in that game. Yeah. You got to pop is- a little
4: mitt, get freaky. Absolutely. <laughs> the whole okay. yeah. First of all, one guy's talking about growing herbs in Texas. Another guy's talking about getting freaky. I can see now it must be hump day. You know, people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man.
5: People
4: <laughs> lost their talk <laughs> on mine. Don't talk uh, about growing fields of poppy down in Texas somewhere.
5: Rob, if you're watching this. Oh man, I can't. I can't. I I, I I can't wait. I can't wait to talk to you, man. <laughs> just growing some. Just
3: growing some time. That's it. Just growing some time oh, and cilantro. Uh, hey, b- before what? I get out of here, before I get out of here, two two things here. Uh, first yes. off, why do you get to leave and we do What's up with that? I, I I was granted early dismissal. I don't know. My mom's picking me up early. I don't know.
4: What the heck going on around here? Oh, uh, that's, that's good. How about this? The
3: Eagles will get to see a familiar face. Week one of the regular season. The Ewok himself, Ezekiel Elliott, will be a New England Patriot. Is a New, you, New England Patriot. Did you call, oh, him,
4: you call him an Ewok? The, does he not? A... Have you not seen the memes? Oh my god, that is hilarious! Luke, did you see that video I sent you guys with, with somebody, dude, about the the, the bigger it's guy? Amazing. Out there. It's amazing. You you, Luke, you you was wrong for that, dude. You was wrong for that. No, I didn't make the video. Whoever came up with the video is it funny. It's said, hilarious. Yeah. It's uh, it's a large, it's a big boned kid, right? Is that what he, it is? He big boned it. Yes, he, he big, he big. Boned. He, got he, boned. he got the same haircut. Same he got the same haircut. What was the caption? Here's here's Zeke getting ready for Patriot <laughs> training camp.
5: I'm dying laughing. Okay. Oh, and <laughs> hey, listen, y'all, listen. The, the, you guys in the chat don't don't let D Gun's professionalism fool you. He that he's a, he's a wild boy, yeah. We, we know he's very active in his church, you know. He's very active, you know. He's mm. a man of faith, he's he's a man of God. Don't get it twisted, but that <laughs> that, that, that man is definitely rough around the edges. Don't get it twisted, yeah. yeah. But, I keep,
4: but wait, wait, I keep it clean now, I keep everything clean. <laughs> but that video was funny. Now, come on now, are you? T- I you was t- dying, Gunner. T- you said it to me, I hadn't seen it,
3: I had not seen it yet, and you said it to me. I just started laughing my ass off, <laughs> you
4: too. That's the- it is fantastic. Whoever came up with that video with this big guy running cone drills—that was hilarious. Oh, oh my man, goodness was gracious! Right.
3: Um, oh, oh wait, I gotta. I, I, first off, Gunner, I know you sent it to me. I'll retweet it at some point just in case people need to see it. Um, yeah, I'll retweet it. Footballism—is that who put it out there?
4: Wait, I don't know. I got. That's I, a good I question. See-
3: yeah, footballism. Zeke's first day at uh, practice for the Patriots. I just retweeted it, so it's out. It's on my timeline now. In case people want to see it, um, it is good times. It is good times. Uh, lastly, we haven't talked anything about the Phillies. I, of course, will be doing the Philly, the Fightins post game show tonight right here on the Jake Media YouTube channel, following their seven oh seven start time. Everybody's favorite starting pitcher, Aaron Nola, will be on the hill tonight for the Phillies. Oh
5: Lord. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah.
3: Well, it's 0 for 18 with runners in scoring position. Their last three games, the big hitters are not hitting uh, in a big fashion. Your seven, eight, and nine hole guys are uh, the guys that are uh, doing anything. Scored one run in their last two games, as I mentioned, 0 for 18 in the runners scoring position. It has been dreadful. The ebbs and flows of the season. We are now in an uh, in a flow. We're in an ebb. I don't know. It's not going well right now for the Phillies. Loses a three straight, and now just a game up on the. San Francisco Giants for the top spot in the wild card. Uh, it has not been it has
4: not been a fun last three shows, Gunner. It has not hey, been let me, fun. Let me tell you something. Zach Wheeler pitched his butt off last night. Ooh. I gotta give props to Zach. Zach pissed his butt off. One inning, two gaffs cost the Phillies that game. And as far as your boy Kyle Schwarber, left field, <laughs> man, <laughs> I'm telling you, why is he my boy? Why is said, he my boy? First off.
3: Gunner, first off, striking out, twice looking. Both times, strikes. Willis, the home plate umpire last night, did a fantastic job. Tone, did you catch the game last night? Uh, I didn't, actually. I didn't. No, I'm going to say this. Home plate umpire was really good. All right? When do you ever hear a compliment? But listen to this. He was really good. Uh, Kyle Schwarber struck out on three pitches in one at-bat. Struck out on four pitches in another at-bat. Both those at-bats, he was called out on strikes. And both those pitches were way too close to take. And I don't think it was just a scenario of, oh, I wasn't expecting that pitch. I was looking this, and he threw me that. I don't think it was that at all. And then finally, Gunner, to your point, him in left field, if he's 0 for 4 with three strikeouts, and it's a day where he's not your designated hitter, he only hurts your ball club. But now he hurts your ball club wow. in two ways. Jeez. He hurts you by striking out and going 0 for 4, and he hurts you by dropping a baseball, that hit the inside of his mitt. It looked like he closed his mitt, and then he dropped it. Credit to him for diving and trying to make the play. I didn't even expect him to do that. But that ball came out of his mitt. He makes that play. The Phillies are out of that inning by the That's time the Real Muto is doing the, uh, the the big stretch at home plate uh, from Alec Boehm's great play and great
4: throw home. Maybe then, they don't even
5: know the bases, but they did. Man,
4: leave Schwarber alone. He got 30 home runs. Leave him alone. Leave Schwarber alone
5: man sometimes you know when you're if when you, when you can right? when you can hit home runs like Schwarber, man I I, I I guess someone's always willing to pay you no matter what <laughs> okay all right uh, the
3: home runs are great. the instant offense is great and you know what the only thing that seems to be etched in stone with the Phillies this year is that Kyle Schwarber's your leadoff hitter that's all since Bryce Harper's since Bryce Harper's been back really uh yep. Kyle Schwarber, your leadoff hitter and that's the only thing definitively. Rob Thompson has come out and said, that's like, hey, look, we've won a lot of games. By the way, happy birthday, Rob Thompson. But hey, look, we've we've won a lot of games with Kyle Schwarber at top of the order. So he's going to be at top of the order. Like, that's what's going to happen. If he's on pace to strike out, what is it now, 212 times? Set like a new career high in strikeouts? Yeah, the home runs are great. On pace at 40 home runs is great. But as the leadoff hitter... You're putting them up there to, yes, give you instant offense with more plate appearances. That's fine. But also, when those plate appearances could be more big strikeouts at any point. So don't, don't,
4: don't put all of that just on Schwaber. Sir Anthony hits a dude in the foot. It, it,
5: oh.
4: It, 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 oh. It, so you know what? He do not even get Sir Anthony. His name is just Tony right now.
5: <laughs> no, 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 no. He, 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 he's not over here with me. His name is Tony. Right that you know, man's name is Sir. Yeah, <laughs> that's about it. No, he's not even a sir anymore. He's just <laughs> squire. He's
3: squire Anthony Dominguez. Squire. Squire. Anthony. <laughs> doesn't even get the title of a knight anymore.
4: Look, um, story. Anthony. His name is Mister Tony. That's it. Mister. <laughs> that's it. That's all he gets.
3: I can't remember the last time I've seen a game-winning RBI hit by a pitch. I, I can't remember. He,
4: I mean, he plunked this dude right at the top of his foot. Don't it, what, what else? Could, it was. You know what? It was a great pitching duel. You got, if you know me, you know one thing. I love great pitching duels. That was a great pitching duel last night. But yeah. my goodness, when the Phillies go bad, you know, this team has been – they have not evened out at all what we expected them to be this year. Yes, they're well over 500. But they keep going through these ebbs and flows. They win four or five, they lose three. They win two or three, they lose two or three. There's been no consistent high point with this team whatsoever. And that's the most frustrating thing. You can put all the injuries aside they still have a roster deep enough to do a lot better than what they did. And they seem to have this knack to play down a competition when they play lesser teams and struggle to beat these lesser teams. And everybody's like, oh, they got Washington coming up. Well, you're playing them down there, first of all, and they're ticked off because you embarrassed them up here. Washington can hit a little bit. I expect that's an interesting series down there.
5: That's that's Mm -hmm. what will frustrate me the most about uh, any professional team, right? A team that plays down uh, to their competition. You know, and you know, you know that's what stood about about the, that's what stood out about those Eagles last year, right? They didn't play down the competition. They kind of bounced anybody who they were supposed to bounce for the most part. These Phillies this year, man, it just seems like, like they're struggling. And you know, I really, I really lean on you guys heavily. You know, for, you know, for, you know for this kind of conversation because you know you guys really are locked in through and through with the Philadelphia Phillies. I try to keep as much as I can. Um, what do you guys think? The common thread is, and we've had we, we got we had a large sample size with this team, right? You know, we've seen a lot of games, well over hundred games, with the, well over hundred games of this team, right? I think there's about forty games left, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but what's the what's been the common thread that, that 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 that's led to this level of inconsistency? Is it is it uh, Rob Thompson's uh, laid back nature that this team is not really paying too much attention to detail? You know, uh, is it the fact that, you know, there's a lot of, you know, there's not enough blend of homegrown talent, you know, in this lineup where, you know, they, you know, they kind of outsource a lot. You know, obviously they they got Bryce they brought him in, Trey Turner brought him in, Schwarber brought him in, Cassianos, they brought him in. You know, like what's been the common thread for this level of inconsistency uh, in this, not just with pitching, but also with, uh, you know, hitting as well?
3: Well, I mean, I'd I'd say your answer is in your question. It's that word inconsistency, but it's come at so many different points. I mean, in the beginning of the season, they were were mashing. The hardest thing I believe to do in sports is to hit a baseball. They were doing that better than the vast majority of teams in Major League Baseball. The easiest thing to do in sports is run from one base to another. And that was the most difficult thing. They were getting thrown out on the base paths more than anybody in Major League Baseball. That is embarrassing. That just shows that your head is not in the game what has been wildly unfortunately consistent has been how bad Aaron Nola has been he's had I think one stretch this season where he's had a, st- a start of six innings and in back-to-back starts and allowed fewer than three runs three or fewer runs in those starts you can't have that from a guy that's supposed to be uh, number one or one a in yeah. your rotation Zach Wheeler has certainly had his struggles uh, and then the other thing after that is runners in scoring position, and they're going through another stretch of it right now where they just go through these spells of not hitting with runners in scoring position. If you're not doing that, you're not capitalizing on opportunities. And that's, unfortunately, it was
4: what has bit the Phillies in the old behind this season. As dominant as Suarez was in June, he was Oof. that bad in July. Uh, base running gaffes, uh, Trey Turner, 14 errors until he got the standing ovation and that turned was. things around. Um prime example, the last uh, last night, your top four hitters went 0 for 16 and accounted for nine of the team's 13 strikeouts. Look at the money outside of Bone, because he's not getting paid like this, but look at the three of three of your four top hitters and look at the salaries they make. Now you look at Atlanta's lineup, Atlanta's a team, fifty four percent of their run production comes by way of home runs. Look at how many home runs that team has compared to the Phillies, okay? I can't figure this out to save my life, man. It has been a collaboration of foul-ups, bleeps, and blunders. It's the pitching one game, and then it's the hitting the next game. It's the hitting one game or lack thereof. It's the pitching the next game. It's players booting balls. It's somebody who's being counted on back on the I.R., and yet this team is still some way 10 games over 500 and still in control of the wild card picture. But I thought their record would be much better based on the talent, the money they've spent, and coming off of what was close to being a World Series championship season in 22. And they've still not, as I said a few moments ago, they still have not leveled out and played that consistent baseball for a long stretch. I can't figure this thing out with this team.
5: Is it still too early to – is it still too early to – Look at Rob Thompson sideways and what question if he's the guy for this team in the long term. No, I, I don't
3: think so. Because I think it's taken way too long to make adjustments in the lineup. I mean, he, I mean, look at Turner. And I know going into last night he was batting like 481 in the last week of baseball, and that's great. But still, took way too long to start moving him around in the in the order. Even when he moved him to the, the cleanup spot and then moved him back to the two hole, and then now he's finally back down over the last couple of weeks. Um But, uh, yeah, I think it just took way too long for him to make those adjustments. But I still think this team responds well to him.
4: Your number one pitcher has given up 26 home runs. (laughs) Only three outings this year he has not given up a home run. 26 home runs from your number one pitcher. Terrible. That's insane. Gentlemen, I, uh, I have to leave
3: you. The principal's calling me over to loudspeaker. My mom's here to pick me up for early dismissal. Uh, so I have to get going. I hope you guys enjoy playing Oregon Trail the rest of the way. Uh, during, <laughs> I love that game during indoor recess. Uh, but uh, Gunner, always a pleasure. Tone, always a pleasure. Uh,
4: I'll be back with
8: you guys tomorrow.
4: Hey, real quick, because I, I said I didn't expect to get a response. So before the show, I put a, I put a field. I hit up I hit up Daryl Morey. You know, I said, hey, we'd love to have you on the show. Yada yada yada. I didn't expect to get anything back from him. And I look at my my DMs. He goes. Hey, appreciate the interest. Just not coming at this time. So at least he responded. Mm. Would, you, would you respond based based on what's going on right now? Would you yeah. would you respond to anybody? No. <laughs> no. I had to throw it out there. I just had I didn't think I'd get a response, but at least he responded.
5: Yeah, hey, I respect the game. Respect
4: the game. You know, so, uh, so Mike, guys, you go do what you do. Leave us hanging. No problem. We got this. I leave you in good hands with Tone
5: to Shield, sir. Tone to Shield.
4: No, he's worried about growing. He talking about growing herb down in Texas. Oh, uh, here we here we go.
5: <laughs> here we go. Edith, hey, far as get us to a break, man. This dude talking right. crazy.
4: Everyone, it was an absolute
3: pleasure. Babs, I'll see you tonight in the chat for uh, fighting's post game. Everybody else, I'll see you guys as well. Have a great rest of your day. Stay tuned for these fine gentlemen. I'll see you guys later. Bye. Stay he's, minty. Uh,
2: E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles.
5: you mm. I don't you just love this song, man?
4: Yeah, man, i tell you, my boy uh, Elvin Shabazzian hooked it up, man. I said, E, I said, I need a theme song, man. It can't be <laughs> just some run-of-the-mill type song, bro. And you know he's got whole archives full of uh, beats that he he is him and his team have created. He said, you know, Mister Derek, I got the perfect one for you. So he sent like three or four samples initially, and I said, nah, that doesn't cut it. Then he sent this one. I said, that's it. I said, let me pass it on to the guys. Let's sample it on the show. As soon as they drop that beat, oh, it's been it's been the theme ever since, man. Yeah, is it? I like, I I like it. I like it. You know, I can't I can't I can't, to, I can't argue with it. The beat needs to exemplify the group's personality. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think it does it perfectly.
5: Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, this, you know, it, it got me thinking, right. You know, what's been the most. What's been the most exciting time, you know, in your career, you know, being a, you know, a sports uh, sports journalist. You know, you've been covering the Philadelphia Eagles for a long time, but you've also covered the Steelers. Um, you've covered baseball. You know, you've know, you covered hockey. You know, I, I'm, I'm curious, you know, you, and you have so much experience in this game. What's been – what's the, what's your most memorable moment uh, in your sports career?
4: Dude, I, I can't just single out one. I, I would have to say um, covering that 2017 Eagles team is up there because they were rolling, they had the best record, and all of a sudden prominent players start dropping like flies, and you lose your franchise quarterback, your left tackle, one of the best special teams players. You lost your middle linebacker, and you're thinking it's over for this team. And then all of a sudden, they adopted that dog mentality. They go out and get these masks. Fans start wearing this mask. You know, and Jason Kelsey comes out with the, we, they don't like us. We don't care. You know, and all of a sudden, here's a Nick Foles quarterback, and Nick Foles couldn't get off the bench. He picks up the slack and leads this team to a Super Bowl. I can go back to the 82 Brewers. You know, they were uh, back in that day. They had, man, they had a whole arsenal of home run hitters. They get to the World Series, they lose to the Cardinals in seven games. Um, man, uh, I'm covering the Pittsburgh Steelers when they went to that Super Bowl in '96 season. You know, they had a great team there, I and they had dudes like Greg Lloyd, Carnell Lake, Rob Woodson, man. They had a whole slew of just big time players, and they were a fun, fun group of dudes to cover as well. Uh, covering the Bucks when I covered the Milwaukee Bucks when they had Alton Lister, Sidney Moncrete, Paul Pressey. You know that team consistently went to the playoffs but could never get over the hump. But they were a consistent playoff team back then. Man, I, it's there's so many. there has been so many wow wild, wild moments that I've been able to cover in in my time, and I've enjoyed them all, man. I did I did something I never thought I was gonna do in life. Uh, you know I, I tell this story all the time if you asked me to list the top 20 things I wanted to pursue in life as far as a career, being in broadcasting would have been like number 32. You know, yeah. I
5: remember I, you saying this wasn't even, you, you kind of fell into this thing by accident.
4: Yeah. You know, and I didn't want to do this. And uh, luckily one of my college coaches uh, saw something in me that I never saw and I hit it. I did it by accident. I kept trying to find a way to get out of it and couldn't find something better. And I said, let me see if I can do this. And so now I, I go from one place to NBC in San Diego. Then I go back to my home, the, uh, CBS in Milwaukee. I go to NBC in Pittsburgh. And then all of a sudden this thing called Comcast Sportsnet starts up. And my agent says, you know, you need to look at this. I'm like, I mean, are you sure? I said, Regional Sports Network in Philadelphia, are you sure? He says, man, I'm telling you, you just need to look at this. Now, I, I thought I was going to end up going, but going to Detroit or going back home to work for Fox in Milwaukee again. And my agent says, trust me, you need to look at this. And lo and behold, here's where I've been since
5: 1997.
4: You know, still covering Philadelphia sports, man.
5: That's a blessing, man. That's a blessing. You know, one can, only, one, one can only hope and pray for, you know, a career trajectory that you've been able to uh, amass for yourself. You know, that takes me back to, uh, you know, Appreciate you, you, bro. for sure, yeah. for sure. You know, there's this one moment in your career that you didn't mention that people always bring up uh is that you uh you you and brandon graham uh have a fascinating a fascinating history you know so for those who for those who don't know and you know i'll be frank with you right i i i need i need to hear you for i need to hear from the horse's mouth you know the the antithesis you know the root of this uh this very fascinating uh storyline between uh you and brandon graham and and, and you know to Maybe to make it very clear, you and Brandon Graham have an amazing uh, relationship uh, to this day. But you know, again, I need I, I need to hear from you. You know how, how 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 did how did you and Brandon Graham grow to be this close?
4: <laughs> um, it all started, and, and the story is well documented. Um, and, and, and I know we've had a lot of new followers since the story was last told by our good friend and colleague Barrett Brooks. But I have to I have to give credit for Barrett Brooks starting this because. Him and Rob Ellis used to be co-host of a show called Breakfast on Broad, and so one year they would have Brandon Graham on at least once a week. You know, leading up to the next game. You know, he was he was paid by NBC Sports Philly to make appearances once a week to come on the show. You know, and um, all of a sudden that that one season, you know, Brandon Graham started hitting me with, "Uh huh, D Gun, I heard you picked against us. Yeah, you wrong. You know, yada yada yada." You know. And then he, kept, he had started adding stuff to, wrong again, D-Gun. You know, and I was <laughs> going to the locker room in practice. Do you remember what game it was
5: but, but, I you, you
4: him? I can't remember the game. And I, I would start going in the locker room just daily for practice. D-Gun, you wrong again. And I'm like, what? You know, and players would be looking around like – and he would start yelling out in front of everybody, the media and the players. Yeah, you keep picking against us. We just keep winning. Now, that's messing with my credibility, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what is he talking about? So all of a sudden, NBC starts picking up on, dude, what is this with Brandon Graham wrong again? I said, I have no idea. And then it gets to the next season training camp. And I remember a preseason game. Now, I, I, a preseason game, my, 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 my camera crew, you know, they would shoot sideline video as well as you get the TV broadcast. And so the guys would come back, hey, D he, he got you again. It would be in the middle or at the end of a preseason game, the Eagles were winning. Brandon Graham be standing up on the bench. Uh-huh, where D-Gun at? <laughs> I know he picked against us in a preseason game. I'm like, what the heck? Then come to find out, sneaky Bear Brooks tells me the story. So, Barry Brooks would tell him on the show the previous year, hey, you know, D-Gun's picking against you guys to win this week. And Brandon Graham being his playful he wasn't D-Gun picking against us. Oh, man, man, he covered the Eagles, he picking against us, right? I didn't find out about this until a year later. By that time... Everywhere I go, people be shouting, hey, D. wrong again. Man, you and Brandon Graham are hilarious. I'd have Brandon Graham on the post-game show after game. He'd walk up to the mic. Before we say the uh-huh, who you picked this week, D. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what? that's I said, man, I picked the Eagles to win this game. No, you didn't. I heard that you picked against us. I'm like, what? What are you talking about, man? I said, oh, man, my
2: i'm
4: this year. What you? So it just kept going. And even to this day, everywhere I go, mini-marts, restaurants, anywhere I go, hey, D. You and Brandon Graham, man, hilarious, man. Why are you guys not doing this? You know, it is what it is. Um, You know, dude, that was one of the funniest sticks I've ever heard, man. And even when I see Brandon Graham, you know, when I talk to him, hey, D. Gun, you pick
5: against us again this week? No, dude.
4: What are you talking
5: about, man? that's, that's, That's awesome, you know, to have that. To have that kind of relationship with the player, you know, even if you know, even if it is tongue in cheek, right? You're wrong again, but you know that's you know you know that's the kind of stuff. Those are kind of stories you know you tell your grandkids. You know, it's like you know Super Bowl champion Brandon Graham. You know, we have this. You know, actually, you know that's the kind of stuff you write. You know, a book about. You know what I mean? Me, 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 you, and B. Me, me, B. Brooks and B. Graham. Like you know what I mean? Because B. B. Brooks, man, that's my dog. He sandbagged on that one. He sandbagged.
4: But, you know, what? I look back and he he owed me for as many times as I got him on shows and stuff like that and caught him off guard, you know, and he would always tell me, D-Gun, you always set me up, right? You know, because he never knew what I was going to say next. So he owed me. So that was his way of getting back at me. So I got to give him props for that one because, you know, he pulled that one off and didn't even tell me about it for
5: months. I had no idea for months how he did this. That's the longest running joke, man. Oh, my goodness. So where are we? We are – 248 to going on 249. Your time, you know, how do you feel about getting into these birthdays and uh, these movies? Well, you know, what's your thoughts?
4: Well, let's see if we uh, see my laundry list. See, let me get back to my list here. Yeah, you tell- all right, yeah, I got it. You tell you ready to go. All right, yeah, so uh, who do
5: you have for birthdays this week,
4: uh, today? Right. right, first of all, leading up with uh, Steve Carell, 61 years old from The Office. That dude's funny, man. Um, then you have Angela Bassett, 65 years old. Madonna is 65 today. Uh, Young Thug, 32 today. Uh James Cameron, the filmmaker, made movies like uh Terminator, Titanic, Avatar, 69 years old today. Uh let's see here. Ivana Lynch from the uh, Harry Potter series. Ivana Lynch, she's 32 today. Uh Christi- Kristen uh Milioli. milioli Medioli from Wolf of Wall Street is 38. Leslie Ann Warren, really good actor, 77. Kathy Lee Gifford is 70 today. Uh, Julie Newmar, you know, good actress, but you know, God bless, still with us, 90 years old. Timothy Hutton, good actor, uh, is 63 today. Uh, the Great actor, Robert Culp from the old series, uh, I Spy, was born on this day in 1930. Uh, Carrie Price, a goalie for Montreal, is 36 years old. Frank Gifford, was born on this day in 1930. He will always be remembered in this region for getting uh, jacked up, you know, by Concrete Charlie, you know. Uh, let's see, Reginald Vell Johnson. You know who that name is? No, I don't. Reginald Vell Johnson was played the dad on Family Matters. Die Hard 2 and 3. He was the cop oh, on Die Hard. yeah,
5: wow. I'm, I'm, yes. it's, cra- it's crazy the people that, you know, that stick out in your childhood because I watched a lot of Family Matters. I watched, wild, yep. I, I watched, I watched a lot of... Uh, sitcom back in the day but you know I, I never I never knew his name that's crazy
4: yeah uh he's 71 today uh you wow. darvish pitcher for the Padres you Darvish is 37 uh actor Fess Parker who back in the day played on a, a show called Davy Crockett uh was born on this day in uh, nineteen twenty four uh we have singer Edie Gourmet legendary singer she was born on this day in nineteen twenty eight Anton Winfield Jr. Safety for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is 25. Uh, Actress Ann Blythe, 95 years old today. 95, wow. Uh, Jace Robertson uh, from Ducks Dynasty is 54 today. Uh, Let's see, who else we got? Uh, Bob Balabon uh, from Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Altered States, the movie Capote, 78. Laura Ennis from the show ER, 66. Remember the Nigerian nightmare, Christian Okoye? Uh, He is 62 today. He only played six years in the NFL. But, man, he was a beast at running back for Kansas City for six years. Uh, Lorraine Gary. uh, She played the uh, wife of uh, Sheriff Brody in the original Jaws movie. She is 86 today. Uh, Trey Flowers, linebacker recently signed by the Patriots. It's thirty. Uh, Rulon Gardner, uh, Greco-Roman gold medal winning Olympic wrestler, is 52 today. Uh, We also have Delano DeShields Jr., center fielder. He's free agent right now, 31. Ben Coates, great tight end back in his day for New England and Baltimore, five-time pro bowler, two-time all-pro, and a Super Bowl champ, 54 today. And Amos Alonzo Stagg, the legendary Amos Alonzo Stagg, was born on this day in 1862.
5: You know what's so funny? Uh Delino DeShields, we're distantly related. It's hilarious. Really? Yeah, distantly related. Yeah. I I I found that out uh when I was younger, several years back. Yeah, yeah. Distantly related. Distantly. Did you hit him um, up for some Benjamins? <laughs> uh, what part of distant don't you understand, D gun? <laughs> but i hit you up because we ain't so distant. So I hit you up for some Benjamins. That?
4: <laughs> hey, look at man, I got a wife three kids, four grandkids, three dogs. I ain't even got a pipe dream left, bro.
5: Dang, Deacon, where do you fit in?
4: <laughs> I'm at the bottom of the food chain, man. I admit, man, I'm, I'm below the pets, man.
5: Oh, man. All right. I got some movies for us, though. How about that? Okay, what you got? Guy? I got some movies. So, uh, today uh, came out in 2013. Lee Daniels, the butler. I believe that had Forrest Whitaker. Uh, we also have uh, Kick-Ass 2. Okay. R- really fun action movie, uh, Blue Crush. Uh, that movie I believe had Michelle Rodriguez in it. It's about it's about some female surfers, you know, some, 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 you know, some surfer yep. chicks. Yeah. Uh, Forty seven uh, 47 meters down, uncaged. I think uh, the sequel to the first one, uh, a shark movie. Yeah, that came out 2019. Another reason why I don't go above my knees in the water. Yeah. <laughs> yep. uh, what else do we got here? We had The the Adventures of Pluto Nash came out in 2002. This movie doesn't get a lot of credit. Um, you know, Eddie Murphy doesn't get a lot of credit for this movie. But I personally enjoyed uh, The Adventures of Pluto Nash. Um, to me, I'm one of those guys, like certain certain actors, they can't do no wrong in my eyes. Like Samuel okay. Jackson, can't do no wrong in my eyes. Eddie Murphy, can't do no wrong. Denzel, can't do no wrong. Um, Vin Diesel can't do no wrong in my eyes, okay. Uh All right. you know, you, you know what I mean. So, yeah, guys like that. What else do we have? We have uh, good boys. Uh, we also have jobs that came out in 2013, uh, Blinded by the Light that came out in 2019, uh, Paranoia that came out in 2013, and Where'd You Go Bernadette that came out in 2019.
4: Okay, I also got a uh, Uncle, B- Uncle, Buck- Uncle Buck with uh. I believe it was John Candy came out in 1989 and the Butler, the Butler was a good movie came out in 2013.
5: Right. Right. Okay. So let me ask you this. Cause we, 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 we got a, we got a, a couple minutes or so. What's been the best movie that you've seen this year in theaters or at home? You know, what's been one movie that you can't get out of your mind? Like, wow, this, this is a really good movie. Wow. I
4: can't think of one. I can't think of one. Um, I would have to say, uh, the latest Fast and Furious 10. I like, I know it's a predictable strip, but I love blowing up fast-paced movies like that. So I would have to, off the top of my head, I would have to go with that. I mean, I've seen some decent movies on Netflix. Like, I, wonder, I watched one last night. came out a few years ago. It's called Intrusion about this couple. Uh, had this fabulous home. Um, and come to find out, the plot thickens. And it, it, I thought it was a good movie. I, I watched that one. And there's one called also River Wild. I saw Netflix. Oh, yeah, I saw that. It. That's I saw, I, a good movie as well. I like that
5: one. Okay. Yeah. I got to check. I got to check that one out. I got to check that one out. Uh, yeah. For me. Uh, so for me, man, I've I been to the movies uh, so much this year. Really? Um, yeah. yeah I, lo- I, I love going to the movies. Um, I'm a I'm an old timer when it comes to that. You know, okay. to me, you know, to, to me, there's nothing that beats, you know, the experience of, you know, going to a movie theater, you know, getting yeah. your popcorn, getting your snacks, you know, okay. uh, you know and then everyone in this everyone in this theater everyone in this room with this big screen with all this you know the sound effects and whatnot especially yeah, right. everyone's there right. to see the same thing and everyone's there to indulge in the same experience and everyone's quiet and just locked in it's it's something about the ambiance you know of, of, of going to the movie theater that just uh you know that just you know takes me to a whole another level man um, but you know yeah one of the best movies I've seen this year
11: okay. Um
5: uh, John Wick four. That was oh yeah. Uh, John, yeah. Wick 4, John Wick four was spectacular. Um,
4: listen, it's so predictable though. But see, you're right. I love that kind of stuff. Now, come on, man. Let's be honest. You brought up John Wick four. Now, the man had two minutes to get up that flight of stairs and kept getting knocked out hey, right hey, hey, hey,
5: listen. Come I thought on, about man. that the whole time I was watching it. But you know, I see. I see. I learned this when I was in college for communications. You know, before we, we run out of time here, I learned this. You know, you know, the, uh, there's a there's something called a uh, Synchronic, um, synchronic time, and okay. then diachronic time, and okay. it's like you know, it's 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 like basically time moves differently in movies. You know what I True. mean? True. So so like that's pretty that's pretty much what that was. Like it was two minutes, and like, like and, and that's the beauty of immersing yourself in like a film or a, a, you know, a, immersing yourself in a creative experience, right? You know, you have to you know the the suspension of disbelief. You know what I mean? Like you you,
4: you, you, you have to really
5: fall into it. Hey, look, that
4: man took 12 minutes at the least to get up those. <laughs> I did, I will say this too. I like I, I did like the new avatar movie. I like that. I didn't I didn't see it yet. I didn't see it yet. I didn't I see did it. Like
5: a little long, but I liked it. Yeah, it's like three hours long. Yeah. All yeah. right, it's 157. D gun, man. We had a heck of a time. My today.
4: Word, my word is 257.
5: <laughs> right, exactly. See, see, see how that goes, man. We had a heck of a time today. You guys in the live chat, you guys have made it absolutely spectacular. Hey, you guys are fun. We we, we love quick. you guys. I don't mean to cut real quick.
4: Tomorrow, we have uh, Eagles beat reporter E.J. Smith coming on at 2 o'clock tomorrow. Awesome. Uh, awesome. to talk about training camp and, of course, the game coming up tomorrow night against the Cleveland Browns. And for people that don't know and keep asking, Rob Ellis is off this week. He's down in South Carolina with his daughter getting her settled into college. He will be back on Monday. Sorry about hey. that,
5: Tom. You know, all good? You guys heard it here first, man. Look, this has been Sports Take. We had Mark Farzetta on earlier, did an amazing job um, leading the show. We have Derek Gunn, the legendary uh, sports reporter, has been doing his thing for well over 20 years, man. The legend in this game. Me. And look at me. I'm just getting my feet wet, man. Just learning this thing, you know, blessed to be able to rub shoulders with guys like this, man. I'm looking forward, I'm looking forward to more opportunities next to guys like D Gunn and Mark Farzetta. And soon, Rob Ellis coming back next week. You guys will watching on Sports Take. I'm Tony. The show's the second. He's Derek Gunn. And we're out of here. You guys enjoy the rest of your day.